episode 267 yes. of Mitch Unfiltered. I was going to start with Billie Eilish. I don't think I should start with Billie <laughs> Eilish. I was all set to yeah. ask you whether you saw Billie Eilish on Saturday Night Live this past weekend sing Merry Little Christmas. I was all set yeah. to start episode 267. But I think probably we should begin with whatever the hell I just watched. If you're making me stay up this late to record the Fakakta show, <laughs> we should probably talk about the Fakakta game. <laughs> yes, I did see Billie Eilish in her sketch, but I didn't see her musical performance. She was hilarious in Both, her sketch. You didn't see either of her musical performances? No, I typically fast forward through that. I thought you were a music guy. Yeah, Billie Eilish. I'm gonna, it's getting late. I got to get to bed, Oh, man. my God. Is good? Promise me that all you'll... Right, right. Promise me at some point this week that you'll you'll draw up on YouTube or wherever you can watch it yes. at least the, the version of Merry Little Christmas that she sang at like 1 o'clock in the morning. It was 12 great. 30. Oh, my God. Okay. She's talented. Really, really, really good. Okay. Really, really good. And funny good. in her sketch, too. I thought she was great. Episode 200. Yes, yeah, she was good. There was a couple of sketches she was in. Okay. I'm talking yeah. about the one with the, the two cat ladies. Not the tampon farm. Oh, she was on that, too. Yeah, yeah I think she right. was. Yeah, I think I checked out on that Episode one. <laughs> 267 of Mitch Unfiltered. Yes. Area code 267. Got any guesses there, Hotshot? <laughs> I'm guessing it's the uh, city of brotherly love. Episode 267, Philadelphia. Hello. How is that possible? It's so weird. What are the chances? I know. It's weird. Well, they the original area code is, of course, 215. Okay. But like all major cities, they ran out of 215s, sure. and they added 267. Mm. Places like Levittown, Pennsylvania. You ever heard of Levittown, Pennsylvania? I Area have. Code two? You have? Why have I heard of Levittown? It's the largest suburb, I think, of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I looked up who's from Levittown, and I only found one guy that I'm moderately familiar with. All right. But you'll be familiar with his work. You might not know him by name. Okay. Stephen D'Souza. Does that mean anything to you, that name? No. Stephen D'Souza. He is the Hollywood writer most known for 48 Hours, oh. Die Hard, oh. Commando, oh, I love Commando, and The Running Man. I don't, oh, know what, the running man. I, I don't know what Commando or The Running Man are, but I know 48 Hours and Die Hard. I could give you probably the whole movie of Commando from beginning to end dialogue if you'd like it right now. Well, 90 minutes. I love well, that movie. Well, you now see what happens when you come over late at night. Yeah. You now know that the writer, the head writer of Commando and The Running Man, is from Levittown, Pennsylvania. That's amazing. You can use oh. that for the rest of your life. You're going to know yeah. that the Hollywood writer that uh, was responsible for those great action films is from Levittown, Pennsylvania. You remember The Running Man? Remember who uh, one of the co-stars was in that? Richard Dawson. No, I don't know Running Man or Commando. Oh, really? At Commando? all. No, I know Die Hard is Bruce Willis. Yes. And 48 Hours, very underrated. Is it Nick underrated, Nol though? I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know if it is. I think people love that Nick movie. Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, great. Great movie. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Commando is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, I don't know Commando. I could do the whole thing. Now, I don't know whether James Bradbury, the corner of the Eagles, <laughs> is from Levittown, <laughs> but I have, yeah. if he's listening to Mitch Unfiltered, I have a, a reminder or a suggestion. Okay. You may want to stay in Seattle a couple extra days. Yeah. With the way Philadelphia looks at their sports teams. They would have had a better chance of Ray Bradbury covering oh him out God. there. I think his name is James Bradbury. Yeah. Getting beat by like three, 
four yards by a rookie receiver when the the one thing you can't do is give up a touchdown at that point? Well, they are none too pleased in uh, Philadelphia on the old message board. Are I'll you reading you know. the message boards? <laughs> you know, I, I soak in Philadelphia tears. It's my life's blood. God, man. This the week of Santa oh. Claus? Didn't they throw yes. batteries or snowballs? Snowballs. Snowballs, snowballs yes. at, at Santa at Claus. At Santa Claus. Yes. Yeah. He seems like a good target to hit, right? The guy that just brings joy to people. All kidding aside, I just have one question. <laughs> yeah. Did the Seahawks really win that game? <laughs> they didn't win that game, did they? With the backup quarterback? There's no way. There's no way they won. They didn't go 92 yards against the Philadelphia Eagles and stuff the ball in the end zone for a, a game-winning score. Did they? Think about how we felt a week ago when you saw this game was coming up. You're like, this Eagles are going to kill Well, no, 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 no. No, I picked the Seahawks to win. You did? Yeah. Not only did I pick them this week on all of the podcasts, I picked them last week before the 49ers game. I said to anybody who would listen, wow. they're going to lose the 49ers game, and they're going to beat the Eagles on Monday night. I've been saying it for weeks, wow. and that's true, I didn't and see it's that legitimate, coming. but I wasn't thinking Drew Locke. Yeah, right. I was, yeah. I was thinking the other guy was going to be the quarterback. <laughs> I just had a sense they were going to beat the Eagles, but... Ask me if I thought they were going to beat the Eagles as the game began on Monday night and they had all those shenanigans with the quarterback. I don't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. Did you follow that? No, it was, I was looking on my phone. I was at Piper's game. Nobody knew who the quarterback was going to be for the Seahawks until like the first, until he ran out on the field. <laughs> it was that they made, much up in the air? They made no announcement. Wow. Adam Schefter's on ESPN going, I don't know who the quarterback's going. It's like 12 minutes to game time. Nobody knew. If he doesn't know, no one knows. There's got to be a story behind that. Okay. We'll try to get the story behind But literally, nobody knew. I don't know if Drew Locke knew. They activated Geno Smith for the game. So when they activate Geno Smith, you immediately say, well, if he can't play, they're not going to activate him. But they activate him, and then right. he doesn't play. Yeah, who knows? I guess they needed a quarterback in case of an emergency. He could hand the ball off if he had to, probably. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing was bizarre. The whole Monday night thing was bizarre. And then the Eagles get the ball on the opening kickoff, and they just yeah. go right down. They take the whole first quarter, yeah. and like 16 plays later, they're in the – the whole thing is crazy. Do you, know why, do you know why this happened? I figured it out. Because it's area code two. It's episode 267 of Mitch Unfiltered. Well, you have an uncanny knack of firing entire staffs and having them go on a tear. Oh, no. It worked with the Mariners. This, this counts as a tear. It's the start of the tear. It could be. Really? The, do you really thought they were going to win this game with, with Locke as the quarterback? No one did. You fired everybody last week. Pete Carroll, he's got to go. We need I, changes. I fired him. I think I fired him two weeks ago, first of all. Second of all, a tear? That's a good start. They want that's a that's a pretty they good want a game on Monday night to get to seven and seven <laughs> on the season, and they're still on the outside of the <laughs> NFC playoff picture looking in, and that's a tear. It's the start of the tear. They're and, gonna go on a tear. And I think what I said when I said that there needs to be change yeah. on the Twitter, I think what I said is regardless of the outcome of this year, mm -hmm. there needs to be change. In Seattle. Still. And I stand by that. Anything short of them going, in fact, even if they won the Super Bowl, I'd fire the coach <laughs> on the Monday morning after. Sure you would. <laughs> you should have heard Rabel on the way to your house. What oh, was he saying? Because Pete Carroll just moved into uh, 13th place all time for wins. Oh, he did, did he? Yeah. yeah. And Rabel said, boy, and none of them are probably much sweeter than this one tonight. <laughs> I was thinking... I don't know. The Super Bowl win was pretty awesome. I don't know. I'd probably put that one ahead of this one. A bad imitation. Sweet either. wins. It is bad. No, that wasn't. a bad Oh, thank imitation, you so much. Yeah. Ibax. 
He's got that little that little <laughs> Georgia twang that he tries to hide in there a little bit. Episode 267, Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Hello. Mitch Unfiltered is available everywhere. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Apple, Spotify, Google. Listen and rate us. Review us. Hopefully five stars. It all really helps. And as you know, this is being released on a Tuesday. Just an FYI for you and everybody that likes to listen to these things, mm-hmm. these free shows. This is the beginning of three in a row on Tuesdays, okay? Okay. So don't ask. Okay. Not you, I'm not <laughs> yes. talking about. Yeah. We couldn't do this one yesterday because of the Monday Night Football game. Yep. We're not going to release on Christmas Day. Right. So we'll release on Tuesday, uh, December 26th. Yep. And then the following Monday is January 1st. The Huskies happen to have a game that night. They do. So I think we'll release the next morning as opposed to going before the Huskies game on Monday night. That probably makes sense. Yeah, so three in a row on Tuesdays now of Mitch Unfiltered. I have an idea for a different stocking stuffer this holiday season. How about an inexpensive subscription to be a Mitch Unfiltered patron? How would you like that? Sounds great. Either for yourself or a loved one, become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. $5 a month gets you all of our Ford shows each week. With the P Show, Danny O'Neill, the shooting the shit with Slick, around the NFL with Randy Mueller, Seahawks No Table with Brian Nemhauser and Brady Henderson. We've got Beat the Boys Week 16 coming up. I know that you and I have a bet going on. Boy, I haven't even looked at the standings. Uh, you better not. Oh, is it that bad? No, I don't know. I don't look at it. <laughs> I haven't even looked. I can't even think about it. I owe you three games. Fireside Home Solutions for this coming Week 16. The Seahawks at Titans. The Cowboys at Dolphins. Oh. The Browns at Texans. And the password is, all lowercase, ho, ho, ho. Oh, okay. Got it? Got it. Guests on this episode 267, after we finished discussing how the Seahawks' playoff chances got a big boost on Monday night and on Sunday afternoon, Steve Phillips returns to the show, the former general manager of the New York Mets and the great baseball voice, what would he do if he was in Jerry Depoto's shoes dealing with ownership's payroll freeze at the worst possible time? Gosh. We'll ask that question to Steve Phillips. My father-in-law was talking about spring training because he lives in Arizona, and I'm thinking, do I really want to go to spring training? I mean, I'm just so bummed out right now about this team. Like, am I going to get plane tickets and do the whole spring thing? Spring training? Do you even want to drive 15 minutes over to that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Regular like, season game. And it feels play. like I'm not the only one who's just kind of just throwing their hands like, like, just forget it. Crazy. Bumming everybody out, man. I'm curious. Well, maybe that- something's going to happen here. Yeah. The could. remainder of the uh, the offseason. It could. And you're going to hear Steve Phillips, the former GM, say, hold on. Hold on. Let's not jump to conclusions okay. until the offseason is over. The Seahawks no table will be uh, back on this episode 267. I think it's only going to be Brian and me because Brady will be working until the wee hours of the morning. And then we're going to listen back. Segment number three of the interviews. A listen back to Huskies All-American wide receiver Rome Adunze, who was with us. In February, do you remember? That's right, he was, yeah. I listened back to it the other day, and I got a kick out of it. A delightful guy, the recruiting trip story of the SEC school that ignored him, gave him the cold shoulder. They were only interested in his buddy. Imagine. 
the unfinished business that he came back to the UW for now is almost complete. Yep. The restaurant that he wants to open after his playing days are over. That's right. If you miss Rome Adunze on Mitch Unfiltered, he will be interview number three. He's going to be a rich fellow in a few months. <laughs> yes, he is. Might be a rich fellow now with NIL money. That's true. He could be now for all we know. <laughs> Episode 267, Hot Shot Scott, doesn't happen without the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Looks like interest rates are now moving in the right direction. It's time to jump in and make some difficult decisions, and that's where Jordan Flowers and his Woodenville team comes in handy. They'll make it so much easier. Jordan's direct number, 425-890-2957, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Daniel's Broiler for the holidays. They're simply not much better, and you really should consider the original location in Leshy because it just reopened after a major facelift. It's our next stop for sure for the Levy family. Daniel's Broiler. You gotta love Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses, evergreen golf call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, football season winding down at Zeke's. Specials every football game day at all Zeke's locations. So now on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays, $10 off of all orders of $40 or more at all Zeke's locations by using the code PIGSKIN10. All one word, P-I-G-S-K-I-N, and the number 10. Homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition. Your week 16 password, all lowercase, ho, ho, ho. A thousand bucks from Fireside Home Solutions to the winner, and everyone who beats us wins a prize. Check out new fireplaces and garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com. This is episode 267. I guess it's kind of the Christmas edition of Mitch Unfiltered, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. You bring new players in, you get excited about new draft choices, you get excited about a Leonard Williams trade, you get excited about all these newcomers, and then you line up in front of your television the following year, and it's the same shit all over again. Unfiltered. God, I'm making what? $15 million this year. Most people say I don't I sucked on that play. (laughs) Right, right. This guy's making 27,000 bucks writing for the New York Jets on a blog. Yeah. Yeah, he took a low blow on God, I shouldn't have done that. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 267, Hotshot Scott, is now officially underway in the moments after a Monday night football thriller at Lumen Field. Yes, Drew Locke engineered a 92-yard go-ahead drive against the defending NFC champions to pull out a victory for the Seahawks on Monday night football. I'm glad something positive happened in your life because I know over the weekend you were in the fetal position learning that it's reportedly over for Kendall Jenner and Bad Bunny. I know you were bummed all weekend about that, so I'm glad something good happened. I read it, and I was like... (laughs) Who knew, right? I didn't think that anybody knew who Bad Bunny was. (laughs) 
Apparently, the Jenner girl does. Yeah, that's not the worst pull yeah. in the world if yeah. you're a fella. Yeah, but something tells me that on bulletin boards, on message boards <laughs> in Philadelphia, they're not talking about Bad Bunny. Uh, no, Bad Bradbury, it looks like, is what they've been uh, talking about here. Not they're, good if you're him. Some salty no, language no. going on here, so if you're offended easily... Um, Just yeah. read it. Let's go. This, I want to hear I want to hear the message boards in, in Philadelphia right after the game. Let this team it. sucks. Let's stop pretending otherwise. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Fucking gross. There's clearly something to be said about coordinators on both sides. The refs, always the refs, oh. also did some serious home cooking with CK, you know, C-O-O-C-K-I-N-G. Uh-huh. Close enough, Philly fam. You'll uh-huh. get there one day. Yeah. They just need one first down and Hertz is running around like a headless chicken. Coming after Hertz, the guy who like couldn't be more beloved in that town, right? Time to bench Bradbury. Get rid of Brian Johnson. Bring someone in that can be on the same page with Jalen Hurts. Oh my God! I, I may this is my, oh my God. I may not even watch anymore. Right, a week from now, we'll, I'll knock on your door and see where you are. See if you're. Well, they watching. have lost three in a row now. <laughs> oh God! They've lost three in a row. They're fading fast in the NFC East. It's hard to believe. Hurts. And the one game that they won before the three-game losing streak was that game against Buffalo in Philadelphia, where Buffalo had them beat. And then they pulled it out in overtime in the rain in Philadelphia. Otherwise, I think they would have lost four games in a row, the Eagles. I feel like we can put up more than 20 points with Mariota. Oh. There we go. <laughs> 200 plus million for a mid-quarterback. Fuck this team. It's oh going to be in God. for a world of hurting. Oh, my God. I figured that Mr. Playoffs was going to be on a beach in Tahiti and never be disturbed this football season. Yeah. But I suppose after winning on Monday night, that we should dust off Mr. Playoffs at some point this week. I don't know that I'm prepared to give you a full-fledged Mr. Playoffs, but things change dramatically in the NFC with the Seahawks winning on Monday night and results like the Packers losing Mm -hmm. on Sunday, the Falcons losing on Sunday, the Vikings losing to the Cincinnati Bengals and Jake Browning on, the best uh, quarterback in the NFL all of a sudden. All of a sudden. God, dude, who saw that coming? Happened? He wasn't the best quarterback in Washington for a while there. I mean, remember how great he was his sophomore year? Then it kind of felt like, I don't know, maybe he had an arm. It just didn't look right for the next two years. Now he just looks unstoppable. Are people going to start now calling for Drew Locke to replace Geno Smith as the starting quarterback for the Seahawks? Is you that, might have a controversy. Is that what's going to happen on yes, that? Is that what's going to happen this week? You're going to have a controversy in Seattle. That's what I think. All he does is win. That's all he does is win. Did you see the final interception? Yeah. The great play by Julian Love? Yeah. Am I allowed to ask, was there pass interference on Trey Brown 22 as the ball was in the air? He was kind of shoving the shoving the receiver out of the play, or am I not allowed to bring that up? You're not allowed to bring that okay, up. Okay, I'm not going to bring it up. They don't usually call that on that one of those last kind of Hail Mary long Against bombs. the Seahawks? They call everything yeah, against the Seahawks. I guess so, but they usually just kind of, you know, when there's a big scrum in the end zone on a Hail Mary, guys are pushing and shoving, and they just let it. Let it go? Just let it go. See where the ball Julian lands. Julian Love with a couple of big plays. Yeah. That catch was no? like, that was like a wide receiver-esque type toes in. Better. Yeah. It was almost better than a wide receiver-esque play. Amazing. And then the first one, the first interception that he had, I don't know if you saw that one, who cares that he was grabbing the guy by the jersey and yanking him around before he made <laughs> yeah. the interception? Ugh. Who cares about that? That's why you don't bring it up because you could just call it all, every play. Like, well, that's kind of going back to the Legion of Boom. Yeah. This is the way the Seahawks play. Mm-hmm. They've always played that way, even with Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor. Especially with them. Brandon Browner. Whether It doesn't matter who the names are back there. Yeah. They essentially grab and push and shove and dare the officials to call it every single down. Yep. 
And the officials call it a lot and give away automatic first downs like they're giving away candy on Christmas. They continue to give the other team automatic first downs, but they can't possibly call it on every single play, can they? No, they cannot. And they don't. But they do it a lot. They sure do. The Seahawks really do it a lot. Yeah. Really do it a lot. And I'm sure that's what Eagles fans are yelling at their spouses right now. So the Seahawks, after somehow, some way, beating the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, the Seahawks find themselves all of a sudden at 7-7 seven and seven in the NFC. Okay. We know there are going to be four division winners, and we know the Seahawks are not going to be one of those. That we know. Okay. We also know there's going to be three wild cards. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty sure that the top wild card is going to be the Philadelphia Eagle-Dallas Cowboy runner-up. So right. one of those two teams is going to win the NFC East, and the other one's going to be the number one wild card. We know that. So that leaves how many wild cards? Two. Right now, there are one, two, three, four, seven, and seven football teams for two spots. Right. So four teams, musical chairs, yeah, two chairs, two four chairs, people walking four them. people walking around. Now, if the season ended today, which it doesn't and is stupid to even talk about, the Seahawks would actually not be one of those two teams. They would be the Minnesota Vikings. At seven and seven, because the Vikings are six and three in the conference, and the Los Angeles Rams, who are seven and seven, and five and four in the conference. Okay. With two wins over the Seattle Seahawks. So the Seahawks are in the eighth spot right now with New Orleans ninth. They're eighth. They're the first on the waiting list to get in should the Vikings and Rams falter. And trust me, the Vikings and Rams are both going to falter okay. over the last three weeks. All right, gotcha. The question is, will the Seahawks falter with them? Or will the Seahawks use this Monday night thriller as a way to catapult themselves to play solid football the last three games? Because if they play solid football the last three games, now that that gauntlet is over, the San Francisco twice, yeah. the, the trip to Dallas on Thanksgiving, and now the Eagles, <laughs> if they can now just play solid football, get their guys back, somehow get Witherspoon back. Yeah, I say get Geno Smith back. I know maybe this is not the time to be talking about that. They play Tennessee this week. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be, and they're not good to begin with. Yeah. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, who have fallen on very rocky times. And then they finish with the Arizona Cardinals in Glendale, who will, of course, oh, knock them out of, of the course. playoffs. That's right. They'll, they'll have to win that game to get in the playoffs, and Arizona will beat them 6-3. to three. Yeah, it's very doable. It is. I mean, on paper, very doable. It's very, very doable. I mean, yeah. when you look at it, let's see. Tennessee is 5-9. and nine. The Pittsburgh Steelers are all of a sudden 7-7. Seven and seven. That's 12 12- and 16, mm-hmm. and the Arizona Cardinals are 3-11, and 11, 15 and 27. Yeah. Their final three opponents are 15 and 27. We know for sure, for sure, for sure, that if the Seahawks somehow sweep the final three games, they'll be 10-7, and seven and they'll clearly be in the playoffs. No questions. At no 10-7. At 10-7. Yeah. Yeah. The question that we're going to have to start exploring with Mr. Playoffs this week on these podcasts is, is a 9-8 and eight Seahawks team. We probably know that a 8-9 and nine Seahawks team is not going to make the playoffs. Probably doesn't deserve to. Who, well, would, who would give a crap? But yes, I know what you're saying. Okay. Earlier in the year, you, you thought for sure a 9-8 and eight would get in. You were pretty confident. I was pretty confident that 9-8 yeah. and eight would get in. So I'm, I'm 100% confident that 10-7 and seven gets in. Yeah. 
I'm almost 100% confident that 8 and 9 or 7 and 10 doesn't get in. <laughs> so that leaves one record 9 and 8. Will a 9 and 8 Seahawks team that goes 2 and 1 over the last 3 games somehow eke in as either the 6th or 7th seed in the NFC playoffs? That's, that's going to be the that's question. That's the question, yeah. I just and, can't believe I have to watch scoreboards and keep you track watch of stuff now, yeah. My gut tells me that it may come down to which two of the three they win. Because that Arizona Cardinals game, we joke, but that's an NFC game. The Tennessee and Pittsburgh games are both AFC games. And they're now 6-5 and as we sit here after the win against the Eagles in the NFC. So the first tiebreaker when you involve multiple teams or teams that haven't played one another, you know, obviously if they finish tied with the Rams... And it's just the two teams. The Rams have swept them. Yeah. But they need that Cardinals game at the end of the year. They're going to need that oh. Cardinals game at the end of the year, that NFC game against the Cardinals on the road in Glendale, Arizona. I'd take anyway. any team over Arizona to end the year. Any, any team? Okay, short of the Niners, I would take anybody How else. about the Rams? <laughs> I'll pass on them too, I guess. God, it's always Arizona, isn't oh it? Oh, my God. Does it feel like the Seahawks have had the Eagles number for a while? Or no? I was thinking that. Do you remember? Well, it said it on the TV. They said it on the TV. They've won them. They've won like, yeah. I was at the game, the famous game in Philadelphia, the year they went to the Super Bowl with, with Mike Holmgren's With Tatupu? Was he uh, punching yes. the... Yes, yeah. Tatupu and... He had the, the pick six, was the other I guy? Think. Dyson? Was there another guy named Dyson or Tyson? I think there was a, a defensive back who had a, had oh, a, you're, yeah, had a pick so, yeah. six, maybe. Yeah. That's my famous story. I remember I telling you, I went to Philadelphia. It started at nine o'clock. By the end of the first half, I think it was 28 or 35 nothing at the end of the half. Yeah, well, I go to the John. I told you this story. I, I go to the, Yes, I I go to the John. Everybody is lined up across the wall taking a leak. God. It's 35 nothing. It's like 10:30. Every Eagles fan under the sun is like shit-faced. Totally shit-faced. That sounds right. And as I'm peeing, the guy next to me who's like waving, who's like wobbling back and forth <laughs> yeah, says, he's got to see I, I can hear him muttering. He says, "Seattle." They're not even in the fucking continental United States. <laughs> a lot of people think that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That happened. Yeah. On that Monday night in Philadelphia. I can't remember the final score, but it was 42 to nothing. 42 to nothing. I have it in front of me because I was looking it up. The was Seahawks, there a Dyson touchdown? They've won 10 out of 11 against yeah. the Eagles. And that game kicked up, kicked it off. That was the first oh, really? win out of the that Really? With the uh, Tatupu. Oh. Ten out of eleven. It's just I want amazing. him in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> That's true. I guess God, we can't lose to him. I want him in the championship game. Andre Dyson, seventy-two yard interception return on a Josh yes. Brown kick. Yes. On oh, Josh Brown. Jeez, what happened to that guy? Yeah, it didn't end well for him, did it? No. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Lofa. Yeah, there was two pick sixes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because Lofa was punching it like Seattle. <laughs> Not even in the fucking continental United <laughs> States. Andre oh, Dyson, God. by the way, a 25-yard fumble return. For a touchdown? Yeah, maybe that's Did he have why. a pick six? Yeah, pick and? six and that, yep. He had both? Looks like it, yep. Oh. One in the first quarter, one that's in the third beautiful. quarter. And then two Sean Alexander touchdowns. One yard and two yards. That sounds <laughs> about right, right? <laughs> Except that Holgren oh. didn't give it to him. With the record on the line. Oh, yeah. He had a quarterback sneak. Instead, he stabbed him in the back. He sure did. That's what Sean Alexander said after the game. I think against the Cardinals, a game that they won. I feel like I just got stabbed in the back. I didn't get the ball. 
Man, it's fun playing the Eagles. It's great. I mean, the Eagles have been pretty good the past, you know, 15 years. They've had, you know, Donovan McNabb teams were good, and it's been a good franchise, I feel like. No? Did the Seahawks really win yeah. that game on Monday night? My, my boss was in my office bugging the shit out of me about wanting to bet the Eagles money line. It felt like the easiest money just for them to win. And I was like, eh, it sounds easy. And then I brought up that New England game that was like, I don't know, five years Everybody ago. Everybody brings up the New England just game. inexplicably yes. go to New England and yeah. beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. CJ Prosite. Right. I mean, just like, <laughs> so that's why you just, you can't bet the oh, NFL. God. You just can't. You got no shot, man. What a trap game. We're back in it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the ballet. Who needs it? Yes. Smash cut to six days from now. You'll be tweeting out a gif oh of a ballet dancer. God. The only part of this that I'm going to really reject and not like is I feel like I'm going to start here and Drew Locke should be the starting quarterback now moving forward. You're not going to like that? No. Because they spent money on Gino or he's just, no, I just considerably think, better? Oh, I think he's better. I don't think there's any question that Geno Smith is better. Yeah, I mean, I don't now, necessarily disagree. I'm just curious what you think. I tip my cap to Drew Locke. Right. He stood in there. He took him down the field. He made the big throws. Yep. He made the big throw to DK Metcalf down the right sideline to get him in position. So glad you brought and then, that up. And then he makes the throw to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. That was a hell of a throw, even though I, I'll still say it. What's the corner <laughs> yeah. doing? You can't let a guy get behind you. I know. You're down. You're, you're up four. Yeah. A field goal doesn't help him. That's, you let the guy get behind you. You let a slot receiver get behind you. What's yeah. wrong with you? It's like being down one in basketball and the guy gets a layup. Like you just let people behind you for what a, are you doing? a layup. I know. It's just oh, like the gonna, one thing you can't do. They're going to kill that guy. I know. Especially They're already been killing their corners. They've already been killing Oh, they have. Oh, their corners have been, been god all for, oh, for okay. the last five, six, seven weeks. They've Ugh. been just killing the corners in Philadelphia. All right. A lot of fun, though. It's fun right. when they win. Let me get my breath because i got three <laughs> interviews to do. <laughs> okay. And then the other stuff segment. Well, 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 I smell some better mortgage rates. Finally, that brings in Jordan Flowers. Woodenville office, cross-country mortgage, back on Mitch Unfiltered. Rate drops the way that he used to drop passes at Eastlake High School. <laughs> Ouch, man. And, with that the, and, with the, and that's why he's in the mortgage business, ladies and gentlemen. And the phone should be ringing, right, Jordan? <laughs> well, at least something's ringing off the hook. Yes, it is busy. Phones are ringing like jingle bells. It's awesome. <laughs> We're having a great time here. We're seeing rates already down about a point, point and a half. It took us six months to lose about 300 basis points on the 30-year 6% coupon. And we're, we gained that back in the last 30 days. So wow. things are looking good. Significant. How have the rate drops affected the market that you can tell? And how about new cross-country products that we should be thinking about as we head towards the new year? Yeah, the rate drops have already impacted the market with uh, buyers getting a little more excited and confident and writing up offers and getting under contract now since they're already seeing probably $500 to $1,000 a month savings in a 1% to 2% drop in rates from where they were just a few months ago. Yeah. And refis are going to be coming up here soon, especially as the Fed starts to cut rates. So things are definitely picking up here. And as far as new products go, there's a bunch of products that have been coming out. One specifically that we're very excited about moving into next year is a construction loan, but a construction loan for investors that are looking to build five to 10 unit mixed use properties, somewhat hard to come across. And uh, we are offering it, I believe we're one of maybe the only lender in the area offering it right now. So mixed use properties, five to 10 units, investors that wanna build those apartments or condos and sell them or rent them out, yep. we've got that for you. So up to $4 million. So I'm a Mitch Unfiltered listener who's either looking at a refi 
or making a purchase and I want to talk and ask questions to Jordan Flowers directly, I call him where? You call me or text me directly at 425-890-2957. There it is, Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. We love him. Great, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. I can't tell you what year we're going to win the World Series. I can tell you that if we win 54% of our games over the course of a decade, you're going to play in the World Series. We're actually doing the fan base a favor (laughs) and asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. The irritating offseason continues for Mariners fans. Let's get a national perspective from our friend Steve Phillips. The former Mets general manager heard on Sirius XM and seen on MLB Network. Steve, M's ownership, they told us all along, when we get to the doorstep, we're going to spend in free agency. And now that they're there, no dice, no qualifying offer for Teoscar Hernandez. They moved Gino Suarez for a couple of minor league pieces. And now they give Kelnick away to a team that just would take $20 million in payroll off their books. Not easy to be a Mariners fans this offseason, Steve. No, it's not. I think that probably Mariners fans and Padres fans can commiserate as they're really cutting back in payroll and, you know, for different reasons, but for the same reason. Look, it's, you know, the baseball's a business. Owners are in it to at least break even. And I got to tell you, like, my experience with owners in the game, they don't budget to make a lot of money. They just don't. But you know, when I was with the Mets, we budgeted to break even, assuming that if we were winning, we'd make money. And if we were losing, we'd cut our losses at the trade deadline and try to get back to breaking even. But it wasn't setting out to make a ton of money. They make their money by owning the team and at some point selling the team. And so the regional sports network issue is one that is not exclusive to Seattle. There are are cities and and teams that uh, are all over the country right now dealing with the fallout from the regional sports networks and everything with Bally and uh, Sinclair and everything else. And so uh, it's one that that is unfortunate uh, for the game, but it's one that is real. And you're seeing teams having to make some some rather broad swipes to clear up uh, payroll. So how do we get excited as Mariners fans when they make the playoffs a couple of years ago, win a playoff series, look like they're primed to really jump into the fray year after year with that pitching staff, then they barely miss it the following season, and now this. What, what do we do as Mariners fans? Yeah, so I think you look at it and think, well, you know, a lot of players underachieved last year. I mean, other than J.P. Crawford, you know, a lot of guys didn't give you the same level of performance. Ty France has room to grow. Even Julio Rodriguez was not himself early in the year. There are ways, I think, to make up for some of the losses. And the other thing is, this was a team that had so much swing and miss in Seattle that if you even get some contact hitters that may not have the same sex appeal as Teoscar Hernandez and Gino Suarez, but actually put the ball in play a little bit, I think you've got a chance to be a better offense. I think they, they had no productive outs. You know, when you have a rally and you get strike three and a swing and miss, it just shuts down a rally. If you got a rally going and you get somebody who hits a fly ball to right and at least the runner on second advance to third, you've got some action. You've got some movement and things continue to go and you're going to pick up scoring some of those incidental runs that just weren't there for them a year ago where the one-run games weren't the same for this team. Uh, this team has great young pitching and – 
They've got some young players where just because they get older and we flip the calendar, they're going to get better. They've gained experience and they're growing into their man bodies, which a lot of these young pitchers will start to fill out a little bit and, and I think get, get even better stuff. And so I think there's still reason to have some hope. It just won't be with name recognition this year. Steve, back to the swing and miss stuff. You and I have talked about this before. I thought I was told that this is okay now, that now nowadays it's changed since you and I were young when we wanted guys that hit 305 and 310 and 315 and got on base. Now it's become we want launch angles, we want home runs, and we'll be okay with strikeouts just as long as we get home runs. Are you ch- are we changing back to the old way now, or how, how does yeah, it work? <laughs> right, so right, the three true outcomes, right? The, the walks, the strikeout, and the home run. But you can't have a team full of them because you have to score runs in other ways, too. Certainly the home run is part of it. You want that. You need to have some power on your roster. But if everybody is hunting the bottom of the baseball and everybody has the loop in their swing and everybody is exposed to the high fastball and then the breaking ball down in the zone, you're not going to score enough because you need those other times to score when you're not hitting home runs because, you know, the home run can happen. But you then need perfect timing to get the home run in the same game, in the right game, when you didn't get pitching, everything else. And this is an era now that athleticism is coming back. Without the shift now, we have the ability for contact to find a hole and get through. Now with the bigger bases and with speed, we have a chance to score runs in a way that we weren't when we had the three true outcomes, when we had the smaller bases, when we had the shift. And so in order to keep up with the Joneses right now, you need to be more athletic. Those teams like the Yankees that were built, you know, in signed contracts with some older guys that were about launch angle. They're falling behind the times right now. Look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Even look at the Dodgers with some of the Freddie Freeman always puts it in play. Mookie Betts puts it in play. Uh, J.D. Martinez hit some home runs, but he did put it in play. Uh, and so I think that that the game is evolving, and you've got to try to keep up with it. The offseason isn't over, Steve. There are free agents. There are trade possibilities. Is there anyone out there that you like the fit here in Seattle. We've heard names like Bellinger. We've heard Solaire in Miami might be a good fit at DH for the Mariners. Yeah, like I would have liked, loved uh, Jung-Hoo Lee, who signed with the Giants, Korean player. This guy is legitimately a contact hitter. 30-some strikeouts, 66 walks in Korea. Yes, different pitching, everything else. Career 340 hitter. He's a guy that puts it in play. He guys that make contact. He can run a little bit. He can cover a lot of ground on the outfield. He would have been a nice fit. There, now he's in Seattle. I think Reese Hoskins, right-handed power bat, would be a nice fit. DH role. J.D. Martinez would be great. Justin Turner would be great. Justin Turner to place in third base on a one-year deal where because he's older, I get he's older, but because of that, it's going to be a shorter-term deal for less money. Those guys would be fits, but I don't know that the the Seattle Mariners have the money for those guys. And so you might be looking at the Robbie Grossmans of the world who are – Decent major league players that could come out there and help a little bit. The Adam Duvall's of the world. Duvall's got a little swing and miss in his game. But like I thought a Jamer Candelario would be a nice fit. Contact hitting third baseman with Cincinnati right now. And so, you know, I I think that, that it's really hard to figure out where to go. And it may be that what Seattle has to do is look at the trade market. So, listen, if Randy Arozarena is available, I'm giving up a young pitcher to get him. I, I think he's a dynamic player. Puts the ball in play. 2020 guy, year in and year out. That's the kind of player that okay. I think would really help Seattle overall. So let's go there for a second. 
If the idea of adding to the payroll is as uncomfortable as it seems, then they've got to be dreading the day that Logan Gilbert and George Kirby come asking for $25, $30 million a year. That's coming. Maybe it's a couple years away, but that's coming. Do you trade one of them? When you say you don't mind trading a young pitcher, I don't think you were talking about one of those two guys. Maybe you were talking about a woo or one of the other guys. How about the idea of moving a Gilbert or moving a Kirby? Right. So not yet for me, uh, because I think you're in a window to win. But the, the other thing is I'm hoping that two years or three years down the road, they get this regional sports network thing cleaned up a little bit, right? Okay. Where the income and the revenues are a little bit different and that you're managing it a little bit different. And so I don't know that I would punt yet on two or three years down the road. I think, it, look, in order to get something good, you have to give up something good. If I can do it without giving up um, a Gilbert and a deal, I want to try to do that. If I don't really want to give up Kirby and a deal, if, if, if we can't do that. So I want to try to avoid that. And I think they could still put a pretty good package together that might satisfy a team like Tampa, who's got some players, they want young pitching in return. The other one is San Diego wants young pitching in return. Uh, that's what they got for Juan Soto. I think they could still use more. Uh, you know, they lost, uh, I think, 97 starts to free agency last year. Uh, they're scrambling for young pitchers to put it together. And so I think there's still a window there for, for Seattle to go and get some impact offense while moving maybe one of the lesser starting pitchers. The other thing that they could do, but seem uninterested in its price again, its cost again, is to add to the already stacked rotation. They've got Blake Snell here in town telling everybody and anyone who will listen he wants to play for the Mariners and he'll do it for cheaper than he would do it for anyone else his hometown. What do you make of Blake Snell circling out there? Nobody signed him yeah. just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's he's a plan B or C after Yamamoto. I think Yashino, Yashinobu Yamamoto is the premier pitcher out there. There's talk now he could be getting over 300 million. Wow. There's talk that he might get a 10-year deal. Like really? I would never play in that realm. There's there's talk it might be 350, 375. Wow. That the Giants and Red Sox are already over 300 million. Steve Cohen with the Mets is not going to stop. And so Yamamoto is out there. The fallback after him is going to be Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. So that's why he's waiting and why he's not off the board just yet. I personally would take Montgomery over Snell. I mean, here's why. Blake Snell's had two good seasons. He won the Cy Young in both those seasons. He has two Cy Young awards and zero complete games in his career. He's not throwing a complete game in his career. Uh, he's had two seasons with throwing 180 innings. And then the other season, I think 130 is the highest that he's gone. The walks scare me. You know, he leads the league in walks. I think he had 99 walks this year. Look, he has the stuff to make the pitch when he needs to, to get a swing and a miss and get a strikeout. But because he walks so many, because he strikes out so many, he's very inefficient, which means he, he doesn't even average six innings per start. To me, that's not an ace. And so somebody who pays him that way, I think is going to be disappointed because he's not really that guy. Mm-hmm. If the market falls back, if he's willing to take less, I would certainly have interest in him. But I think you have to know what you're getting. And remember that pitchers who walk a lot of batters find a lot of 3-1, 2-0, 2-1 counts, 3-2 counts, where hitters are sitting on pitches that they can drive. And if you don't execute, you're going to get burned. He's been locked in, but when he's a little bit off, there's a real vulnerability there. Yeah. So somebody would always pay him more than I'd be willing to pay Blake Snell. Gotcha. Before you go, Steve Phillips, how'd you like the Otani contract and its creativity? Good for baseball, 
bad for baseball? Will it be copied in the future? Or are ball players less likely to wait for their money as long as he's going to wait for his money? And by the way, it's not a bad thing being Andrew Friedman these days. Pretty good job security, I'd say. I'd like to have yeah. that kind of job security. What You, <laughs> you do have that. You Listen, <laughs> if you're not doing this, I'm not doing this. I just want you to know that. So if you're not doing Mitch Unfiltered, I'm not doing Mitch Unfiltered. You've got security right now. So honestly, I think it's a creative contract. Everybody's hung up on the $700 million. Agents love to portray contracts in a certain way to move the line, to get there. Nobody thought we were going to get anything started with a seven. I thought it'd be in the fives at some point, maybe. And then I heard sixes. I thought, wow, okay, that's a lot. Seven. But the reality is it's 10 years, $460 million. It's really just paid out in a way that it sounds great saying $700 million, But I think it's a reasonable contract for the Dodgers. I think it's creatively built. Uh, and I think you will see other teams do it. And the thing I love the most about it is that it takes me off the hook for the Bobby Bonilla long-term <laughs> deferred money. Like this is like somebody tweeted at me yeah. and said the Dodgers July just said this, the Dodgers <laughs> just said, "Hey, hold my beer, Steve. We're going to show you how it's done right now." They blew away the Bobby Bonilla money. Like that's just chump change right now. Every July first, so my July first, twenty twenty four, got a lot better. Yes, it sure did. Now let's assume he hits. But let's say three or four years from now, we're looking at him and he's not the pitcher anymore. Either he's not pitching or he's not pitching as well as he did in Anaheim. Is the contract still a good contract if he's primarily a hitter three years from now? No, it's, it's, they'll be overpaying him. But, I mean, by far less than like saying it's $700 million. Right. Like paying him to be the two-way player without knowing about the elbow – I thought it was a significant risk. Yeah. And when I heard 10 years, 700 million, I thought, oh my gosh, what are they doing? Now, when you look at the present value that it's 460 million, 46 million, I, you know, I mean, as a hitter, as a really good hitter, as a DH, he's probably a $33 million guy. Um, so yeah, you're going to be overpaying him, but you're, you're, you're paying for the name. You're paying for the, you know, the, the marketing opportunities. You're paying for the potential of pitching as well. Uh, and so I think it was the right move for the Dodgers. And in the end, yeah. I think it's really healthy for the game where the large markets are thriving. And so I think this is important that the Dodgers got him. The Yankees got Juan Soto. As much as people don't want to hear that, I do think it's important for the health of the game. Well, Steve, I just I just heard that Andrew Friedman called the Dodgers and told him that the he's going to work a, a one-day week starting uh, this coming Monday. So uh, to expect him in the office, maybe one day a week for the yeah. re remainder of his contract. Then. Yeah. And okay. you know what? <laughs> He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Steve Phillips, you can catch him on Sirius XM and, of course, MLB Network. He's always been a great friend to us, both on the radio show and the podcast. Steve, all the best to you. Thank you for being back on. You got it. Thanks, Mitch. As they say, tis the season, fireplace season. Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, John? I'd imagine everyone on your team over there is jolly this time of year. Yes, they are, and they're really busy. We're, uh, <laughs> we're over there getting everybody stocked up for the season, not only for installation stock-ups, but also for uh, product stock-ups. So we're ready to go and serve people here in the Northwest. And you also deal with a lot of repairs. We don't talk about repairs that often when you visit the show. Talk to us about that. Yeah, either way, if tune up a fireplace, repair a fireplace, or if you need us to replace it, just mm -hmm. give us a call. Our unit that Fireside installed has been 
been working overtime here at the house. What's the timetable in the heart of these winter months from Fireside Home Solutions, soup to nuts? We're doing great right now. We have uh, installers ready to go. We have product ready to go. So anywhere between two and three weeks, we can get a brand new fireplace wow. put in your house. Wow. First, the magnificent remodel in Bellevue. Now, what am I hearing about adding the Spokane market? to the team. Yep, we just opened up our Spokane market. We're about three months uh, new to that market. We're going to be doing the same things we do over here in the Northwest. Everything from the top to the bottom, installation, service. Looking forward to serving that community. When do you think the showroom will open? We're hoping sometime here in March and April. We're going to okay. go over and do some yep. layouts. So, yep, we'll be excited. I think Mark Few needs to treat himself in Spokane to some cozy warmth after his cold trip to Montlake a few weeks ago. <laughs> so, south to Portland and now east to Spokane, Fireplaces, gas, electric, wood-burning, garage doors. Begin your search with a great sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. All those tight ends back there again. Nice cut back by Walker. Still going. Waiting for the blocking to get there. It does. Touchdown, Seahawks. And a touchdown is the result. Lock. We're thrilled to get that game. Yeah, it's been a really difficult stretch. We've played great football teams that are on a, on a high. And uh, every game we've been in it, every game we've had a chance. And uh, we just w weren't able to get over the hump. This was a huge ball game for us, of course, going into the final stretch here. Taco Time Northwest presents the Seahawks no table, kind of, sort of. It's not really a no table because there's only two of us. Brady Henderson, as we record this, is somewhere in Lumen Field doing interviews. I've got Brian Nemhauser, the Hawk blogger, to try to convince me, and I need convincing, that what I saw on Monday night was actually a Seahawks victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Is there a part of you, you were there, that still doesn't believe that they won that game, Brian? Are we sure? 100% sure? Yes. Mitch, yes. is it more unlikely that the Seahawks won this game or that I correctly picked KP on this game? Well, I picked it too, but I don't think either one of us would have picked. Did we believe it? Did we know that Drew Locke was playing when we picked it? What, what, what was all those shenanigans at the beginning of the game that nobody in the world knew who was going to be the starting court? I know you were there, so maybe you, maybe you weren't following it on TV like the rest of I, us. I was falling online and, and, and I'll get back. I'll actually get back around to that. It's like, I want to answer your first question. I will say, so I was at the game. I've been at every Seahawks game since 1997, every home game since I've moved to Seattle mm -hmm. and I have never experienced a game winning moment like this one. Really? And the reason there have I, been a lot was, of them, Brian, I've seen all of them. The reason this one stood out is nobody, everyone was exactly like you, Mitch. Everybody, nobody believed this was going to happen. And then all the way until the point at which Jackson Smith and Jigba catches the ball, yep. there was a pause. There was a pregnant pause. There and there wasn't this eruption of joy. There was this like everyone looking at each other first. Did that actually happen? And then they scream and the scream wasn't joy. It was shock and like, Holy crap. I thought you were going to say that everybody looked up at the scoreboard to see exactly <laughs> how much time was left for the Eagles to come down and break our hearts. 
It was it was palpably different energy. You could really? almost hear a pin really? drop as this was happening. So I don't know that anybody believed that this was going to happen at the end of that game, but it did. And gosh darn it, that was fun. Let's do more of that. Drew Locke took him 92 yards, Brian. 92. Are we going to sit here all week and listen to the Drew Locke deserves to be the starting quarterback, even if Geno Smith's healthy, he's won the job from Geno. Are we going to have to put up with all of that, or are people going to just rein it in and understand it was what it was and he deserves a lot of credit, credit, but not necessarily the starting quarterback job? They will absolutely have people in that camp i've already heard from them yeah, i've seen okay. them i've seen the polls being run out oh, there no. Oh, no. and and good for them good for drew lock for tonight i i have my takes on drew lock i think you have your takes on drew lock for this one game drew lock deserves the praise he can't he, that is very few quarterbacks can take a team 92 yards in the clutch one timeout because your coach can't handle timeouts to save his life. God. And and do it in the rain against the reigning NFC championship, NFC champion. So huge kudos to Drew Locke for, for doing that and proving people like me wrong for at least one game. So is that the answer why they won? Did they win because of Drew Locke? Did they win because of DK Metcalf? Did they win because of Jackson Smith and Jigba? Did they win because of Kenneth Walker or the defense that stood up at least at times and did enough to get off the field and get them the football? Why did they win the game on the Seahawks? No table. I think you got to start with the defense, don't you? I guess. Like, the same defense that gave up like a an eight and a half minute drive to start the game that was like 34 plays. I didn't even think the Seahawks were ever going to get the ball the whole game. They, Mitch, they, I have a whole text thread from you that all involves one word. Middle. 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 Yes. They got middled all game, throwing it like third, however long the third down is. You know that the guy can run that far and be wide open in the middle of the field. And I'm with you on that. I don't understand. But at the same time, this Eagles offense has been elite most of this year. Their Seahawks, the, the, the Eagles defense has not been elite. And so for the Seahawks defense to hold down this Eagles offense yeah. with Jalen Hurts, oh, he's playing hurt, he's playing sick, whatever. Jalen Hurts ran for 82 yards in this game. He looked fine. So I, I ultimately holding the Eagles to 17 points stands out the most to me in this game. Mm. How about you? Do you feel differently? I don't know what I watched. I'm still in a little bit of shock <laughs> because as I told you before we started recording, and I actually mean this, despite the fact that I picked him two weeks ago with Slickhawk and I picked him with you guys, and mm -hmm. I really thought in this gauntlet what was going to happen was they were going to lose the two to San Francisco and they were going to come back on Monday night when no one gave them a chance against an Eagles team that I thought they matched up pretty well against because of their mm -hmm. corners. I figured for the last couple of weeks they were going to win this game. Then as you told me that Drew Locke's going to start and all of these shenanigans and, and Devin Witherspoon's not going to play and Jamal Adams is not going to play. Had you asked me right before the game or as the game was starting, I would have said to you, I give him no chance. I give him no chance to win despite <laughs> everything I've been saying for two weeks. And then I proceeded to sit in my family room by myself with my dog and we watched the game and never... For a second, did I think they were going to win the game? And I'm going to go one step further with you, and you're going to think I'm just trying. This is hyperbole to make the point. It's not. 
even when he caught the ball, Smith and Jigba caught the ball to put him ahead. For a half a second, I thought, oh, maybe. But then I looked up at 28 seconds, and I was convinced the Eagles were going to figure out a way for 28 seconds to come down and kick a field goal. And what happens on the possession? Hurts takes off up the middle of the field. Did he run for 25, 30 yards? And they, he yeah. gets he gets there with 14 seconds. They're a first down away from a long field goal attempt. And then when they throw the ball, that gets intercepted by Julian Love and, and what had to be a great game from Julian Love. I'm watching. Have you seen the replay? How much have you seen the replay? They could have called Trey Brown for shoving the receiver with the ball in the air. I mean, there was a lot of contact that uh, the officials let go. So I... I am still in some, as we record this many hours after the game, or a couple hours after the game, I'm still in somewhat disbelief, Brian, that they won the game and that they're 7-7 seven and seven now with a, a decent shot to get into the playoffs. It is, it is shocking. I don't know if you've seen the win probability chart for this game. No, I don't watch that. It time. matches... It matches your perception. Really? I've never really? seen. I've seen the ones that go back and forth. Yeah. This is Eagles with a 60% plus chance win, to, win probability to win this game all the way up the entire game from start till all the way until the last minute of this game. So this was very improbable. And and there you, you mentioned a bunch of different players, a bunch of different parts of the team. There's a bunch of guys, DK Metcalf, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have again a clutch game making plays at the end, if you don't have Jackson Smith and Jigma make one of the best catches you can possibly make in that moment, if you don't have Julian Love having two takeaways for the second week in a row, if you don't have Leonard Williams having his game, game. go on Great down game. the line. And yeah, Mitch might not want to hear it, but if you don't have Pete Carroll as coach creating the environment that he's created that has a team that's in the last part of the year that's lost four games in a row that makes two of the most weird boneheaded coach. I think having Geno Smith active was an absolute coaching travesty. I think it was idiotic what happened at the beginning of this game. I think him calling timeout and giving his opponent a chance to challenge also massively terrible, but it is quintessential Pete Carroll to come out on top. In I this don't know game. that I can. I, I don't know that I can dance with you on Pete Carroll's. So there are a lot of things as people were writing to me, a lot of ways that Pete Carroll tried his best to give this game away. Yeah, and it, it yeah, it didn't work out for him. Yes, is he the coach of the team? Does he get some level of credit? Yes, I don't know that I can dance with you that this was about Pete Carroll. In fact, it just seemed like the Seahawks. They pulled a you-know-what out of their ass. <laughs> they did. They, just pulled, no, they pulled a you-know-what no out of their that. ass. And, hey, all the power to them. They get to 7-7. Seven and seven. So the big question is, yeah. can they use this as a springboard? Now, we've talked all about the four games that they had to play. Two against the 49ers, one against the Cowboys, one against the Eagles. But the, but the payoff to that is now they turn around, they go to Tennessee, to face a not good Titans team that's now got all kinds of quarterback issues because the guy that they want to play got hurt this past weekend. That leaves Tannehill back on the hook. They face a Pittsburgh Steelers team that can't get out of its own way here. And then, of course, you know how this is going to work out. They're going to win those two games and need to beat Arizona in Glendale, Arizona. Arizona's going to be like a four-win football team 
and the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are going to beat the Seahawks to knock them out of the playoffs. You know exactly. You've seen this play before, have you not? <laughs> that is not what's going to happen. Okay, Mitch. thank you. I, Tell I, you what I is going to happen. What's going to happen? I, I think that the biggest risk for the Seahawks is coming up in this next game. Uh, traveling yeah. traveling to Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill, your, your former quarterback down there in Miami. Right. Uh, former starter has been Pro Bowl level at some points and then has fallen on very hard times. He's a starter in this league. He's coming off, so he's a backup now, but he's been a starter. I think that's your toughest game. Um, I think that you still don't know if you're getting Devin Witherspoon back. It sounds like his injury might linger a little bit. You hope that Geno Smith plays, but you're not sure. Uh, so I think that's your toughest game. If you get that win, Seahawks are going to win their last two games. I, I will I will be very confident of that. Yeah. Right. And here's the other thing, Mitch. I said this a couple weeks ago on your show, and you looked at me like I had seven eyes. I said that the Seahawks could very well win their last four games of the season, and then I think that they could win a couple in the playoffs because the NFC is absolute trash. I hope you're right. And I still, I hope I you're st- right. I don't think that means that the Seahawks are good. I just think that's a state of what the NFL is. Well, let me right l- let me double down on what you just said. If you're right, if you're right, the Tennessee is the most difficult peg left, and you're you're ultra confident about the other two games. What you're saying is is that worst. The Seahawks are going to go nine and eight. What you're also saying is they got Philadelphia on Monday night. You're also saying they're going to beat Arizona, which mm-hmm. makes them seven and five in the conference. Now, I have a dear friend, actually a, a long lost cousin named Mr. Playoffs, and he will tell you that a nine and eight Seahawks team with the wins over the NFC teams, they are vital. The te- if they are going to lose a game, it's got to be to Tennessee or to Pittsburgh. It can't be the Arizona game. But a nine, with the way this thing is playing out, a 9-8 and eight Seahawks team with a win against the Cardinals and 7-5 and five in the conference has a legitimate, probably 50-50 or better than 50-50 shot to make the playoffs. The problem that they run into is if it's a 9-8 and eight team and, one of the, and that loss is to Arizona, which drops them to 6-6 six and six in the conference. That would be problematic in terms of tiebreakers. But you're telling me not to worry about that. They're going to take care of the Cardinals in Glendale, Arizona. I think they're going to win the next three games. And I think that Geno Smith's going to get healthy. Yeah. And I think yeah. that I think the untold story because of what's happened to Geno Smith's from an injury perspective is that they made significant changes to how they were calling and playing the offense going into the Cowboys game, how quickly they're getting rid of the ball, the way they're mixing in screens, the types of passes they're making. And then they've had Drew Locke for the last two games, so you haven't really been able to see it. But I, I what I'm seeing is the the pass protection's better. The tackles are playing a little bit better. The, the offense is blocking a little better for the run game. I thought we, this was the best game running the ball they've had in half a season at least. I don't know. So I see the the, the outline of an offense starting to click. Okay. Okay. And then I see a defense with guys like Leonard Williams really jumping in and playing his best ball. And if you can get Devin Witherspoon back and healthy, show me an NFC team. They just played the Eagles and they beat him with Drew Locke and they didn't even play that well. Show me an it's NFC shit, team shit. outside of the 49ers that you're scared of. It's terrible. There, 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 there's no doubting that point. I just so, don't, I just don't know that I trust the Seahawks as much as you trust them. But we'll wait and see. Now, listen, before you go get some some Z's and we'll yeah. uh, we'll follow you on Hawk Blogger on Twitter and we'll notice you. You're going to do your writing tomorrow morning. 
Taco Time Northwest, corn chowder. You got to send a nice big bowl of corn Mm. chowder to somebody that was doing some work. And there are a lot, a lot of possibilities. You've mentioned the guy that I'm going to choose because he's a little off the radar in terms of all the great performances in this game on Monday night. I'll give you... I'll give you not only your your choice, but you can also take Brady's as well. Oh, give me two so guys. Generous, give Mitch. me two guys that were doing some work. You got that's a lot of corn chowder well, to that, hand out. Well, that's, you got to say Drew Locke, right? He gets. That's I'm not going to say that. You can say that. Really? I, I, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I'm happy for you're Drew, not but, giving but, Drew Locke any corn chowder. That's not where I'm going first. Oh, My first. Really? Okay. No, it's not. The All first right. guy that for me that I'm going to is the the proud Papa in waiting, Julian Love, who's ex- going to be. Uh, his wife's having their first kid, I think. I think it's their first kid in a few days this week. Okay. Uh, his two interceptions, I think, were both Huge. spectacular plays. Huge. I think that they mean a lot. His performance means a lot, not just for the way this game played out, but for the way the rest of the season can play out and the way the safety position can play out and what it's going to mean for Jamal Adams the rest of the way. So J- J- Julian Love was doing some serious work and work, yeah. hope he gets some some Corn chowder job. to enjoy that. Yeah. Who else? And then the other guy that I will go to is, I, ooh, it's really tough. I, no, let me I go. Will, then let me go because I don't want you to You, you go turn. next. You go uh, next. Uh, uh, well, for Brady, because Brady is the most level-headed of the three of us. I think we can all agree on that. Jake Bobo? Uh, Drew Locke gets corn chowder. <laughs> okay. As much as you and I don't want to give Drew Locke corn chowder. No, no, I will. I'm happy to have come him on, have come, corn chowder. Come on. He deserves he took, corn chowder He took tonight. him 92 yards against yeah, the Eagles sure. in one timeout. He gets it. But you mentioned Leonard Williams a couple times. I was watching him make plays and saying to myself on the couch, this is a real shame. Every time he made a play, Mitch Levy said to himself, what a shame. No one is going to even remember this. They're going to lose the game one way or the other. They're going to lose this game because I told you I was convinced they were going to lose the game the entire night. It was just going to be one of those performances that you hardly remembered. Who would recall that Leonard Mm -hmm. Williams broke into the backfield for tackles for losses at least two or three times? Big moments to knock him backwards and put him in third and long in situations that were uncomfortable for the Philadelphia defense. And then as it turns out, look what happened. The Seahawks won the game. So I am sending, I got a problem because there's limited amounts of corn chowder and Leonard <laughs> Williams looks like he could eat, <laughs> he a, could lot, eat a lot, a lot yes. of corn chowder. So I'm uh-huh. sending my taco time Northwest corn chowder to, uh, to Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman of your Seattle Seahawks. Can I, can I throw a, a little thimble of chowder sure. to at least to, to Kenneth Walker? Great. Great. run. I, I, he had moments in this game that were special that just he was making guys miss that had no business missing. And he had, he made that happen multiple times. So I, I just feel like you, one of the most special 86 yard performances you're going to see on a football. Field. Did you see my tweet that compared him a little bit, just a little bit Yes. in the open field? He's got a little of that jig. He does that 20 for the Detroit lions had. And you know, you watch Barry Sanders and you say to yourself, we'll never see anybody that does it like him. He just right. had this style about him in the open field that made the first person miss. And made Kenneth Walker has that, whatever that is that I'm having trouble articulating. He's got the, that. He's got that ability to make somebody look really bad 
the first tackler in the open field. He can wrong foot people is what it is. He can get people leaning one direction when yeah. he's going the other direction and it makes yeah. them look foolish. And you're right. I, I would not compare him to Barry Sanders. I don't think that's what you're doing, but there is this echo yeah. of, yeah. of the way Barry, Barry Sanders ran. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I see that too. Seahawks no table starring Brian Nemhauser. Watch him on Twitter all week, especially in the wake of this incredible victory for the Seahawks over the Eagles on Monday Night Football. And we'll see what the no table has for you the next several weeks as we count you right down to the end of the season. Thank you, Brian Nemhauser. Thank you, Mitch. She's back. Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. I understand there's a special anniversary or birthday over there in Bellevue. Yes. Uh, Evergreen is celebrating our 40th anniversary this nice. year. Nice. Very, very nice. So that means the new Make Mitch Look Foolish quiz is a 40th anniversary special this week. That's right. Okay. I'm ready. Go ahead. So it's been an interesting year in the market. Overall, the S&P 500 is up about 11% for the year. Last time when we spoke in July, it was up about 19%. So there's been some volatility over that time. But I'm going to see how much you've been paying attention. First question, what is the return on value stocks for 2023? So value stocks are blue chip companies that trade at attractive valuations, often pay dividends, things like financials, Costco, companies like that. Value stocks, are they up 7%, 2%, or down 1%? I would think that they're up because overall the market is up, but I'll just say 2%. How about that? Unfortunately, they're down 1%. Oh, really? It's quite the diversion where what we're going to look at in question number two, yeah. we're going to turn to our focus on what's the return on growth stocks. Right, right. These are companies like Tesla, Meta, Google, some of the big tech giants. Mm-hmm. So are those stocks up 31%, 24%, or 5%? So if the value stocks are down too, these have to be up big, big, big for the numbers to make sense. So it's either 24, 31. I'll say the 31%. So they're actually up 24%. (laughs) So you can see there's a big diversion between these different areas of the market. And really, there's only a handful of stocks that are driving the market return this year. So while overall the market's up, it doesn't tell the full story. Which means I'm on the precipice of going 0 for 3. Let me see if I can salvage one for us, Katie. Go ahead. All right, I'll give you an easy one. It's a true or false. Okay. So true or false, the return on the bond market is negative for the year. Well, that has to be true if the the stock, well, it doesn't have to be, but most likely that's true if the stock market is thriving, right? That's true. The bond market is down over 3% this year. So I go one for three, and in baseball, 333 makes me an all-star hitter. I'm going to stick to that. We love Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner. Start your search and learn all about them at evergreengk.com because they're everything wealth. Unfiltered. It was 10 or 11 months ago that the initial foundation was laid for this magical Washington Huskies run 
to the college football playoff. Michael Penix Jr. said the NFL can wait, and he stayed. The offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, says no thank you to Nick Saban in Alabama, and he stayed. Michael Penix's favorite receiver, Roma Dunze, announces that he would return for another season. 81 catches, 1,428 yards, 14 touchdowns, a Bolitnikoff finalist. So let's go back to February the 9th, Roma Dunze's appearance here on Mitch Unfiltered. Coming back, NIL, getting ignored on an SEC recruiting trip, what makes the UW offense special, and even the restaurant that he wants to open when his playing days are over. Our next guest shocked a lot of people last month, including me, when he decided to return to the University of Washington for another season of unfinished business. The NFL can wait, he says. Sundays can wait. 75 catches, 1,100 yards. Lord only knows what's coming next for the ultra-talented Rome Adunze, and he's with us here. How are you, Rome? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's it's great to have you on. Now, listen, if I'm really nice and kind to you during this interview, will you whisper the SEC school that ignored you on your visit with your buddy in high school at the very end of the interview, or won't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't know about all that. They, they seem to be having some troubles already, man. So <laughs> maybe that's a hit, a hit in itself. Oh, um. Did it really happen? So you got to tell the story. So you go with one of your teammates, is that right? One of your buddies down to an SEC school, and they give you the cold. They give Roma Dunze the cold shoulder. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, my, my recruiting process was a little crazy. I mean, I came on the scene a little late. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And um, my, my friend also happened to be the, the number one tight end in the nation. So, oh. <laughs> you know, all hats off to him. But, um, but yeah, there was definitely a little bit of a feeling that, that they, they wasn't really, uh, you know, look, looking for me. And that's all right. Shoot, they, they, were, they recruited, recruited a, different, a bunch of different players. But, but, but yeah, that was my experience. <laughs> you wouldn't mind seeing them in a bowl game somewhere down the line, would you, Rome? Oh, definitely not. Yeah, no, that'd be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to start with the most important stuff. Are you sitting down? Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. You know, I'm prepared. All right. Best catch of the Rome Adunze era so far. I was going to ask best catch by number one, but I think my vote is a one-handed grab where you weren't even wearing number one a couple of years ago in the Apple <laughs> Cup. I need – give me the top three. Give me Rome's top three catches so far. So, yeah, I probably put – I probably in, in no order, I'll probably put – um. My first catch against UCLA, my first touchdown uh, against UCLA, you know, that one was just special. Just being having my mom and my pops there, seeing, seeing some some progress and, and the hard work come to fruition, getting that zone is a feeling like no other. So got to put that in there. Definitely got to put that um, that one-handed catch in there. Uh, that was a special moment. Um, it was a crazy, crazy game and a crazy times. And, and it all, you know, always humbles me that regardless of, you know, what, what what's going on around me that I, I got to, you know, elevate and make sure I'm playing my best and putting my best effort out there. Cause you know, you never know what can happen and mobiles like that can happen where, you know, electrifies people and something you can always look back on three shoot. I, I would probably say maybe my juggling catch this year, 
personally after the film, I was like, man, that was that was terrible. Like I gotta I gotta, <laughs> you know, catch that on the first try. Like I don't wanna put that on film, but everybody was like, Oh, this work is catch. Like, yeah, yeah, let's let's call it that. That's <laughs> so funny. Rome, I actually had it yeah. on my list and I said I was gonna say to you, I'll read to you my notes. I said the juggling one, the juggling one against Arizona doesn't really count because you were supposed to catch it the first time around, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Since you declared you were coming back, what, in uh, early January, what's it been like? Right. I, I know if it was me, I'm just me, though, I'd be like going back and forth wondering if I did the right thing, did I do the right thing? Do you have any days like where you're watching senior bowl coverage or mock drafts or wide receiver lists for the NFL where you start to wonder whether you made the right decision, Rome? You know, I really I really haven't that's up to this point. Um I you know, I have my back and forth with my process where I was really, you know, considering both options. But for me, I feel like you know, I'm the type of person, once I pick one, like, I'm going to just go full steam ahead with it because, you know, there's no point in um, for me uh, trying to look back and, and see what, what, what could have been because, you know, I'll have my opportunity again and I need to focus on this year to get there anyway. So I'm comfortable with it. I think for sure when, you know, the combine is going around and I'm seeing, you know, where some of the wide receivers are getting drafted, I'll be like, ooh, I wonder, you know, yeah. where I would have been, you know, a place like that or how my times would have backed up against these guys. But, It'll be just for fun. I know that, um, you know, I'm glad to be back and, and I'm full steam ahead with, with this decision. So so you, you talk about the process. Go back to December leading up to the bowl game. There were a lot of things that you and your family had to consider. This was a huge decision for you. Like, which of my teammates are coming back? What kind of team will we have if I come back? What kind of NIL opportunities do I have if I return? What does the NFL say about where I fit in right now? And I think our audience, Rome, and your fans would be interested to know, how do you find out about your draft potential, your grade, and what did you find out? What specifically do you have to improve upon in terms of next year's NFL draft? Yeah, I think what you know people would find interesting is that it's really so ambiguous, like how to find this information. Like players don't really talk directly to scouts and, you know, um, a lot of this information is different from scout to scout because scout players differently throughout the year. So, you know, one scout, scout, maybe you have you here in the draft, one scout, maybe have you there, your coaches think you're going here. And then the, the, the CAC, which is an organization that gives uh, players grades from college and, you know, it's all over the place. So you have to try and piece together this puzzle of where you, where you're going to end up. And it's, you know, a little frustrating, to, uh, honestly, but it's definitely an exciting process as well, where, you know, you're trying to get all this information and put it together. So for me personally, talked to several scouts, I really couldn't pinpoint, you know, where I w w was going to go. Um, but I always had it in my head, in my dream that, you know, I was going to be a first round traffic and, and that's not where I was projected. Um, but I felt like I had the potential to get there, um, especially through this program and, and, and through all my teammates coming back and, you know, having that culture. So, a process that is, is a very frustrating yeah. um, as you're trying to gather all this information. So that ambiguity and that frustration, was that part of the reason that you uh, were led back for another year at Washington? 
Definitely, definitely. You know, like, um, you know, I, I've only had one one season above a thousand yards. I know I came up, came on kind of the scene late in college football, just like my high school career, the great year, my junior year. So for me, it was like, okay, that a- ambiguity is people not really knowing my game and my play. Um, I definitely think that, you know, there's a West Coast bias. You know, some of our games are played at 730, start at 730. You know, those scouts on, on the East Coast and all over there are, are watching at 1030. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how, how do you judge a player's performance? You know, when you're, when, when your day's nearly ending, you're tired, you're not really paying attention. You know, one, just me coming on the scene late. Uh, I don't think a lot of scouts had me on their radar already, you know, going into this season. Thankfully, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully be on a, a lot of scouts radars, you know, scouts coming to practice and, and they'll be able to watch my game with right. more, uh, right. more critically and, uh, you know, see see what I got. So let me ask you a tough question. If you could snap your fingers and change one thing about your repertoire as a wide receiver, improve one thing. Snap your fingers, and one year from now, you're doing you're doing much better in that one area than maybe you're doing now. What would it be? Oh, that's a good one. I would probably say my my acceleration. I think. I've struggled with some knickknack injuries during during all my seasons of football, and haven't been able to go in to a season fully showing what what I've got with my my speed and, and acceleration. But um, definitely think I have that long that long speed and, and speed to get over the top. But I want to be able to catch a ball and you know yes burst burst and no, notice that I'm you know, yeah. getting away from defenders. I yeah. think some injuries have kind of kept me from getting there. So if I could do that, I, I would have that, that Tyreek, that Tyreek burst where you're yeah. like, Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. He's moving. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, are you a student of the other wide receivers? Is the wide receiver class better next year or worse? Or don't you know, do you follow the other receivers around college football? I do. I do. I have been uh, looking at it, especially since I was you know, thinking about going to the draft, looking at um, wide receivers and where they were going. Um, I think, Honestly, you know, both both classes have great receivers. Um, I think the numbers are saying that this class that's getting drafted this year will be a little bit weaker okay. next year because there is a lot of cats in this next class who are a bunch of dogs and a bunch of great players. But, I mean, both classes have have great players, honestly. This class has a little bit more sleepers, honestly, and that's why people say that. But, you know, I've gone in, I've, I've watched the film, and, man, there's there's a lot of talent, which I think a lot of people seen in the senior bowl, too. There's a lot of uh, wide receivers in the senior bowl who, like, people are like, ooh, I didn't know he had that, which, you know, always happens. So definitely ball, ball players in, in, in each yeah. one. So I'm glad to be able to compete, competing against these awesome athletes, honestly. Rome, so the whole NIL thing has changed the sport forever. Montlake Futures have gotten you guys opportunities to make a few dollars, which is great. You've said all along that if this was about money – you would have gone to the league. That's what you've said. Does, yep. th- does that mean that if this were 10 years ago and there were no NIL dollars, no chance to pocket a few bucks by coming back, that you still would have come back to Washington? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I think so. I think uh, it, it's hard to look back and see the, the climate of it, um, especially with everything that was considered shoot. But I, I think so. I think my, you know, myself would recognize that, you know, um, regardless of the NIL opportunities, um, yeah. where, where I'm going to make my bang for my buck is going to be the NFL. And I want to enter, you know, that, that league at my trajectory that I, I believe I can enter at and, you know, allows me to be, be more comfortable financially. So I do think that, I do think that, you know, being able to come back, um, 
shoot, I don't know who was playing 10 years ago or what the situation <laughs> was, but, but, oh, oh yeah. I mean, shoot, you know, was it, I don't know if we were doing to 2013. Um, we were just, you, you know, coming out of a slump, I believe. Uh, well, I'm not, talk, I'm not, real. I'm just talking about if there were no dollars, <laughs> no NIL dollars, whether you would have still. Yeah, no, yeah. I got you. <laughs> you got me literally, yeah. man. Not a lot of guests are taking me so literally when the, U, <laughs> when the UW made the coaching change, you've talked about your meeting with coach DeBoer. How close before that do you think you were to leaving? And here's the, here's the one I want to know. Where would you have gone had you left Washington when they made the coaching change? Um, you know, I was still considering everything. I think that I, I knew for a fact that I was going to, you know, have to talk, uh, have some discussions with the coaches to be able to, you know, move forward with my decision and, and know where I was going to go. So I really wasn't thinking of anywhere up until, you know, talking to Coach DeBoer or, nice. or had anywhere specific that I, I was thinking about going before or a decision made before I talked to all the coaches just because, I knew that was going to be important and the offensive mind that they, they have, I wanted to, you know, be able to pick their brains a little bit and see, you know, exactly what they had to the table. And after that, I mean, after those discussions, it, it made it even, you know, even more clearly that I needed to stay just, you know, with the, with their arsenal. I don't know if I had any schools in particular that I was really looking at. Honestly, I never um, entered the portal, so I, I didn't, I couldn't get in contact with anybody. I thought you might say those dirty those dirty letters, USC. I was hoping you weren't going to say those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, 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 not down, not down. <laughs> because I know you like Lincoln Riley. So, um, I've talked a lot about on the show how crazy. Now, this I don't want you to take this as an insult, or any of your wide receiver friends to take this as an insult, because you guys are great. And there's no question about it. But I've talked a okay. lot about on the show how crazy wide open you guys are. More times than not, it's amazing how this scheme, and I don't know, our listeners are just fans, and they watch the games, and they see you guys wide open catching balls from Penix and thinking, oh, my God, look at how wide open he is. Now, part of the reason is you're great wide receivers, but the other part of the reason is the scheme. Is it complicated? Can you tell kind of the novice you dub fan that watches on TV. What's it all about? What's the secret sauce? Why? How? How does he get you guys in wide open spaces all the time? Man, it's definitely it's definitely a sauce. Definitely something that um, is hard to you know comprehend on a surface level. But it's something that they they uh, have built in piece by piece for for so many years that they've created a system in which where you know it, it's it's easier for people to uh, for players you know to understand and, and to get it. But I would say it's mostly you know understanding their, their, their key elements through concepts, different route, route concepts. And then basically we have three concepts that we like to run. Um, and then off of those three concepts, we like to switch it up through different uh, ways of running it, different motions, different, you know, things like that. And um, that allows us to give defenses different looks and, and, uh, you know, get us open like, like they do. So it's really kind of like a tree of, of uh, off of these, you know, certain concepts and a little trickery here and there just to yeah. keep people on their toes. Balance, um, yeah. But it's, it's definitely dynamic and definitely changing and switching all the time to make it a little bit difficult for anybody to understand. Really, Was, was it, was it complicated to learn? <laughs> it was a challenge. I believe uh, that, you know, coming in and having to learn a new, whole new offense with, you know, different terminology, really, you know, as you get older in the game, you realize that, you know, people are running the same things, you know, just in different ways and with their own terminology. So 
you know, I was at a point where I was starting to figure that out. So they explain it so well. And, you know, we go over the offense so much that, you know, that continuous repetition of looking over it made it, made it easier for sure. You know, having that dedication of everybody trying to learn it and, and get to know, it. especially, you know, Mike already have been in the offense, our quarterback being able to teach us things like that. So it was a challenge, but you know, something that, you know, came, came to us pretty quickly. How uh, closely were you watching the, the Ryan Grubb story? Uh, how would you have felt if your offensive coordinator had left and gone somewhere else, Rome? I think it, it, I was definitely watching a little bit. I know, I mean, I remember we were in the middle of workouts. Um, we were about to start our workouts when we, you know, we've seen it all on Twitter. I don't know how everybody's getting this information. Like, <laughs> I don't know if somebody's seen him on a, on a flight or something. Like, it, it's crazy, all yeah. the all the information that, that flies around. But it would it would have been definitely been a hit to everybody, including me, just, you know, seeing – seeing grub go to you know another another spot but at the same time it's like you can understand it because you know i know he's talked about becoming a head coach and you know alabama has a great program and nick saban has been possibly the greatest college you know, football coach of all time right, so right. you know him going over there and being able to learn from him and evaluate that opportunity um i, I was really happy for him honestly because uh, he deserves that all the work that he puts in i know that you know eventually he's going to end up exactly where he wants to be because of the way he works. But, yeah. you know, like I said, at the same time, it was like, nah, don't do that. You know, come back, <laughs> come back and, uh, you know, dial us up one uh, more time. So. Yeah. So everybody's <laughs> yeah. back, including the coaches. It's going to be very, very exciting. Last question for you. We know that you're all about coming back to win a championship, and we love that about you. Give me some personal goals outside of improving yourself. Do you want to win the Bolitnikoff Award? Uh do you think about breaking Reggie Williams' single-season record? Now, that's going to be tough, 90 catches or 90-something right. catches, 1,400 yards, because you, you've got so many great wide receivers around you that it's going to, yeah, i got to share the ball a little bit. What does Rome want to want to accomplish next year individually? Right. Yeah, no, actually, all you hit all three of those uh, uh, on the head with it. Those, those have been three of my goals you know, right under, you know, winning this team a national championship and trying to keep that on the forefront. Um, just because th th this team deserves it, and we we're going to work towards that. But, yeah, the Belitnikov, I mean, you know, I, I was able to get on the old, old watch list last year for it. You know, um, it's a really honoring uh, award, and, and to do that with, you know, so many great college wide receivers at this point, like, it, it would be awesome. So yeah. uh, I really would. Um, and then, like you said, I've seen that. I've seen an article talking about the uh, Reggie stats and um, it's definitely going to be a challenge because there's so many weapons, but um, you know, I'm going to go for it. Um, I think that if that's what the, what being at the top is and, you know, I can't settle for, for anything less. So yeah, we'll try, try and get that done. I'm going to need to get, get a few extra catches, a few, few hundred, a few hundred more yards. So, <laughs> but um, it'll, it'll be fun. Well, you're an incredibly thoughtful and articulate young guy. I'm almost more impressed off the field than I am on the field, and that's that's pretty hard to accomplish. And if you're not going to whisper the SEC school now that we're at the end of the interview, the least you could do is tell me because I saw that you wanted to own a restaurant someday, and I'd like uh -huh. to know I'd like to know what kind of restaurant are we talking, and whether I'm going to get a free meal if I come visit the restaurant and talk about it on the podcast. I need to know I need to know the answers to those questions. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, I mean it's going to be. Anything you can imagine, honestly, I, I I envision it being, you know, some of the first of all, our desserts are going to be crazy. I got a sweet tooth. My mom got a sweet tooth. What's your favorite dessert? 
I feel like you can't really go wrong with the apple pie and ice cream, okay. vanilla ice cream. Yes. I mean, that's it's hard to beat that, you know, but we, we got a bunch of different things, whether it's, you know, waffles and ice cream, brownies, um, brownie recipes that are going through the family. So that, you know, included with, you know, a bunch of bunch of good uh, entrees. Are we talking sports bar, sports restaurant, American you, Grill? Oh, are we talking Italian uh, restaurant? Oh, what are we talking, Rome? I need uh, to know. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely going to be American for sure. Yeah. No, you're definitely going to be able to watch the game. Okay. Um, you're definitely going to be able to watch the game. Um, you know, it's not going to be too fancy. Something definitely sit down with your family. Um, you know, hopefully I'll be in there when, I, when I'm all said and done, you know, ch- chopping it up with people, talking about the good old days back at UW or something <laughs> like that. So <laughs> definitely something like that. Definitely something that like that. And uh, we'll be we'll be cooking gator. We'll be cooking gator. Uh, really? I don't know if anybody got some context clues, but um, that'll, that'll tell you. That'll tell you what about. <laughs> we'll be cooking gator out there for sure. I got it. It took me a little time. I'm a little slower than you are, Rome. But I got it. Thank you. I'm glad you'll be cooking some gator on the menu. Oh, Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. Yeah, Rome Dunze, really great to, to catch up with you. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished so far. I know it was a gut-wrenching decision. I know it was frustrating for you. But my goodness, people are excited to see you and all of your teammates get on the field again. The next time you're on the field, you're going to be, I think, top five, top eight in the country when you get on the field next. It's going to be very, very exciting. Thank you for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered, and I wish you all the very best next year, Rome. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed the experience. I thought your question was very thoughtful and and had a good time, you know, uh, (laughs) chopping it up with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Save me some gator, Rome. Will do, will do, will do. Hey, look who it is. It's Lindsay Schwartz of Daniel's Broiler. I got to tell you, while my family was loving Thanksgiving at the downtown location, Lindsay's family was experiencing the Les Shy remodel after a couple of months. How'd it come out, Lindsay? Hey, Mitch. Happy holidays. Uh, it came out great. We had a great time. The space looks beautiful. The views are even better. There's more windows, bigger windows. We kind of rearranged the room and the furniture to take better advantage of the views. It's awesome. Uh, you got to check it out. You're going to love it. Yeah, we've already made plans. The Levy family has to check out the new remodel at Leshy, the original Daniels Broiler. Now, Daniels starts with a D. December starts with a D. There's nothing quite like Daniels during the holidays, Lindsay. It's true. I mean, we talk about how we're great for celebrations all year long, but December is such a great month for celebrating. And all four locations have something unique about them during the holidays. Leshi that we just talked about, you can see the Christmas ships on certain nights. Nice. The Lake Union location, you can also see the Christmas ships. Bellevue's the gorgeous views. A downtown Bellevue's all lit up. You can do the winter wonderland, the Snowflake Lane next door. And downtown Seattle's looking good right now. It's all decorated for the holidays. So it just feels festive at all the locations and a great place to celebrate for sure. And if your office is looking for a spot for private parties, Daniel's Broiler offers the best opportunity. We love Daniel's Broiler at Mitch Unfiltered. Obviously, world-class steakhouses. It's the stretch run of the football season, which has been a good one at all of our favorite Zeke's Pizza locations Here's our buddy Dan Black. Dan, how are you? And how's the pink skin promotion going at all the Zeeks? Uh, I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. Uh, 
Pigskin 10 has been super popular. It's been great. People have been using it like intended, mainly delivery and pickup orders. They're ordering it on football days, which is when it's active, which is Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So people, when they're watching their favorite team, watching games, uh, we've been getting tons of pigskin 10 orders, which as you know, is 10 bucks off an order of $40 or more. And uh, mm -hmm. like I say, it's, it's specifically meant to watch football. And as we head into the uh, NFL playoffs and bowl season and stuff, we may add some days that are important football watching days as necessary, and it'll run all the way through the Super Bowl. So yeah, it's been super popular and we expect it to keep going strong here for the next few weeks. Talking football, Dan, the last time you and I were together, your son, Hank, at the University of Texas, and here we go again, you guys banging heads in another bowl game, but this one's a big one, Dan, for the Black family. Oh yeah, uh, Black Family Bowl 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were surprised as a family when it happened once. And, you know, the Huskies were pretty stoked after last year because we thought we would have perpetual bragging rights forever after winning the Alamo Bowl. But, you know, yeah, no, we're here we go again with much higher stakes. And, you know, both teams are really good. Everybody expects a good game. One thing I can say is that the Longhorn fans have a way better estimation of how good the Huskies are. They're definitely not as delusionally overconfident as the Duck fans were going into the Pac-12 championship. And the whole family will be there? Yeah, the whole family's going down to the Sugar Bowl, and we're looking looking forward to it. We, I think like most Husky fans, we were would have preferred the Rose Bowl. But, yeah, we, we figured out how to get everybody down there. It won't be easy, but, yeah, we're all going to be down there. That's beautiful. And what's the what's the black family eating? What's what's Hank when he comes home eating? What kind of pizza are we getting at Zeke's these days? Okay, yeah, now so Hank is a what we call a weird orderer. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like I'm doing like Puget Pounders and Dragons and Wood Butchers, you know, kind of good winter type pizzas. Hank is a guy that'll do like a cherry bomb with a ranch base or he'll do a buffalo soldier with some weird additional topping or whatever. I don't even pay attention. I don't, he, he always, he, he usually gets his own medium or small and the rest of the family eats more normal stuff. Zeke's pizza, ladies and gentlemen, for football season, all the way through the Super Bowl. Pigskin 10 is the code. $10 off your order. Minimum order of $40. We love Zeke's pizza. Homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Episode 267, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hello, I kid you not. Just look it up. It's 267. Other stuff segment with Hot Shot Scott. You want to start? You want to kick it? You want to receive? I have to tell you, when I was in San Diego and I got my car from, you know, that app that I used, and there, there was a lockbox yes. combination that had to have the combo to open the lockbox. Yes. And it was the night of the Pac-12 championship game where they're looking to go 13 and 0. There's only been one undefeated team, right? The 1991 Huskies are the only ones that have been undefeated. My code for the lockbox on Friday was 1991. I kid you not. Weird, right? I love that kind of Something's stuff. Something's going on up yeah, there. Yeah, maybe. All right, Norman Lears. This makes me laugh. I don't... Norman Lear's cause of death was revealed. He was 101 years old. <laughs> That's the cause of death. What the, it wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't hang gliding. They were around him singing, by the way, Glenn Miller played. <laughs> I love that we have to so announce that. that. <laughs> Who did that part in the family? I want to know. Oh, around his bed. He's probably like, I would have been happy to. Stop, stop it. Guys yeah. like us, we had it made. <laughs> Those were the days. What a show. So good. Yeah. He wasn't flat track racing oh motorcycles God. or something. Jesus. All right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar took a spill. You yes, see that? I, I was going to have a get well soon later. I was going to get well soon. Yeah, he broke his hip. You don't want to break your hip. 
76 years old. He's in the UCLA Medical Center right now. Yeah, it yep. sounds like he's going to be okay, though. Good. So his his agent or his representative said they're deeply appreciative of everybody. So it sounds like he's going to be fine. But the hip thing is weird. People think that when older people fall, they break the hip. Yeah. But some, you know, it's it's a socket. It's a what, ball. What, and what, what the? Are we getting a medical lesson Oh, yeah, right now? you should listen. You okay, should listen, listen. closer. I'm ready. But, you know, it's yeah. like a ball and socket joint, the yeah. hip. Should I play the Quincy music? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, timely. Sometimes the ball wears through the socket, yeah. and that's why you go down. Oh. And people think that the contact made you break it. How do you it, know but so it, much about hips? Why, why do I know so much about all kinds of random and shit? you didn't listen to Billie Eilish like, sing <laughs> Have a Little Merry Christmas. Now, if it would have been Billie Idol, forget it. I would have been there all day. Oh, my God. She was wonderful. All right. Get well to Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar. Another shakeup on Jeopardy. How many are you going to do right out of the game? Well, you said, you said you wanted the ball. All you right. don't get it three times. Can you punt it over to me every once in a while? <laughs> all right, punt. Go ahead, go. Do the Jeopardy. Do the Jeopardy. Another show. shakeup. Mayim Bialik says she's oh, yeah, being she's removed. Out. Yeah, she's out. She that did, little weasel Ken Jennings. Did you see her? Uh, did you see her? Her quote. Of course, she had no. to sneak in this part. It made me. I, I am incredibly know. honored to have been nominated for a primetime Emmy Award this year. <laughs> who would fire somebody who was nominated for a primetime Emmy Award? Little weasel Ken yeah. Jennings. So Ken Jennings has been doing it, but reminds like me he, of Mark Few. Reminds me of like Leno. He was probably like having meetings and just weasel well, his just way right in. Just look at him. He's just a little. He's in Seattle. He's in Seattle, right? Yeah, he lives yeah, in Seattle. Yeah. So anyway, don't worry. I've said before, you don't want to take over for the legend. You want to take over for the second person. So that was big shoes to fill with Trebek. All right, I get three. Go ahead. How about a guy I'd like to be? Okay. You ever heard of the name Andrew Friedman? Does that name mean anything to you? It sounds familiar. But okay, no. so Andrew Friedman is the president of baseball operations for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. Why do I want to be Andrew Friedman? I'm going to tell you. Shohei Otani signed that big contract. Yep. He's getting $2 million a year over the first 10, so $20 million. And then he's getting $680 million over the next 10 years. So he's deferred $680 million of his $700 million deal so that the Dodgers can spend money over the next 10 years and build a great team around him. How do you live on $2 million a year? He'll make it work. Okay. A couple of endorsements in Japan, I would suspect. He'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be okay. There's another clause in the Shohei Otani contract. Okay. It includes an opt-out clause that can be activated by Otani. He can get out of the contract. If either of two executives were to leave the organization before the 10 years is up, Los Angeles controlling owner Mark Walter, well, that makes sense. He's the owner. Okay. He's not going anywhere unless he sells the team. And president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. If Andrew Friedman gets fired or leaves on his own accord, yeah. Otani can immediately become a free agent. <laughs> now, I want to be yeah. Andrew fucking Friedman. No kidding. Okay? Yeah. Safe as a kitten. As soon as the ink is dry on that contract, I'm yeah. walking in going, I think I'm going to work one day a week. That's this, right. That's you, guys right. Want, you guys want anything? I'm going I'm to travel a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to hang out. I might come in on, let's say, Wednesdays for an hour yeah. just to see what's going on here in the office. He's got the uh, Bermuda shorts on and the flip-flops and the button Has there ever been up. an executive that had a team God. by the balls like Andrew Friedman? Otani becomes a free agent if Andrew Friedman is no longer with the organization. Amazing. Boy. I want to be him. Oh. Oh, my God, I want to For be so in. many reasons, but that's oh. a huge one. Enjoy the next 10 years, buddy. You're safe. Reports Bill Belichick is finished in Foxborough. Really? Yeah. He's playing out the string. They're going to part ways. The Patriots and Bill Belichick. He's got six Super Bowl rings. So here's the question. 
Would you hire him if you were another team at this stage of his life and career? And he, if he wants to work again, you're asking me? If he wants me, to work again. Of course. Of course I'd hire him. You would? Yeah. All day. I don't know that I'd ever hire Bill Belichick. Six Super Bowls you're going to pass? Well. I mean, he had a good quarterback for a while. He sure did. Yeah. And how's he done since that quarterback was gone? Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, clearly he's Hall of Fame. He might be the greatest coach who ever coached the NFL, right? No. No. Come no. on. And let me point out. Stop. Stop. Be and, realistic and, and, here. I'm being realistic. Let me point out that not only is he not the greatest coach that ever roamed a sideline in the NFL, but he's still a little shy in wins behind the guy that is the greatest coach in NFL history, I should point out. And I should also point out that not only is he still shy in wins, but the guy that he's chasing, I think coached in 12-game seasons, then 14-game seasons. He didn't coach in 16-game seasons. He didn't coach in 17-game seasons, okay? Their jewelry box looks different, but wins-wise, yeah, I guess he's got them. But the... Does this, the last couple of years without Tom, does this change how you... Of course. Clearly, he's first ballot Hall of Famer. Forget it. Not even close. Yeah. Right. Okay. But Maybe. do you look at him a little differently? Yeah. Yes. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm being honest. I'm being totally yeah. honest. Yeah. It's interesting, right? He's a guy who flopped in Cleveland when he was a coach in Cleveland. He was the coach of the Browns. Yeah, he I did remember. nothing. Yeah. He fired him. Came to New England. Look, he gets a lot of credit. I give him a lot of credit, but yeah. I think we're finding out something, aren't we? Do you think that he'll work again, or do you think he's just going to go sit on a beach? Well, if you had to guess. My guess is he'll work again, but I'm not sure he's going to be a head coach in the league. After all these years as the alpha, you're going to go take orders from some schmuck? And no, 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 no. I don't mean he's going to be an assistant. Okay. I mean, he might be a team president. Uh-huh. He might be in the organization somewhere. Don't you have to have people skills for that shit? Don't you have to wear a suit once in a while? I don't think he's doing you that. You know what's going to happen? <laughs> he's going to end up in the broadcast booth, and everyone's going to say what you just said. Yeah. Communications. And then he's going to be like the most lovable, outspoken. <laughs> Maybe. He's like going to change completely. He's going to become George Foreman. Remember what George Foreman That's did? That's right. The scariest man on earth. And- Surly, never had a word. <laughs> yeah. And then he came back and he was this new man. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's going to be. He's going to become the most lovable TV commentator of them all. So has, has Bill confirmed this or it's just reports or... There's a lot of reports yeah. that the the deal is done wow. between the Crafts and Bill Belichick, and it's over. Interesting. All right, that's my second one, and the third one is Jake Browning. Did you see how Jake Browning celebrated his Saturday game, which now, by the way, with the Seahawks win on Monday night against the Eagles, that Bengals game on Saturday, the Bengals' victory over the Vikings, plays huge. Mm. Huge for the Seahawks. Another NFC team losing. Down to 7-7. Seven and seven, The Vikings, yeah. who have to play Detroit twice yeah. in their final three games. Did you see how Jake Browning celebrated yet another victorious day in Cincinnati? He threw for well over 300 yards. He brought him down the field at the end in overtime. They win the game, and he goes to his phone, and there's a text in the locker room. Did you read it? No. This is Joe. This is what the text says. This is Joe, DCO on behalf of the NFL. You're on my list for a urine steroid test tomorrow. I'll be in the testing area between 9.30 and 12.30. Let me know a good time that works for you. What? Come on. (laughs) That's awesome. Holy crap. He tweeted out on Instagram a picture of that text that he got requesting a urine sample right after the game was over. Oh, my God. Him? That's the guy? That's the guy. He he really looks it, doesn't he? Don't like Jose Canseco in 1989? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Do you believe in karma with your lockbox being 19, what it was, 1991? That he is just flourishing and coming out of the woodworks at the exact same time as the Huskies go undefeated and are going back to the playoff for the first time since when? Since he took them there against Alabama? That's right, yeah. Do we believe in karma? No, but I'm going to start. You better start considering it at the very least. And that weird Apple Cup matchup with him against Gardner Minshew this year. Also, they played each other, which is also kind of weird because they play each other in the Apple Cup. Some weirdness going on. Something going on. Stars. What what kind of – do we know where he is in his contract? I mean, is he – He's probably on a series of one-year contracts. Is that and that's it? My guess. could be available? The Vikings got rid of him. Shoot him away. Yeah. Yeah, he, he talked about that in his he press did. conference. He, he talked was, to yeah. Shouldn't have cut He's me. making himself some money no, as at least a backup. I would think at least a backup, a good, solid backup. Money. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. We'll see. What was Giannis doing going nuts at that game about the game ball? Did you see that? No. So he scored 64 points. The and then, Greek freak we're talking about. Yes. And then he went ballistic because of it, losing his mind after the Pacers wouldn't give him the ball from the game because it's like his career high. He wanted the game ball. He thought he was entitled to the ball because of the performance, but Indiana players felt their rookie, Oscar Shibway, I think it's pronounced. Who knows? Kentucky, I think. He should get it for scoring his first ever NBA points. So Giannis literally goes running down. Someone's trying to hold him back. He goes in the locker room. There was almost a scuffle over a goddamn game ball. So at the end, it, it all... Me the, reminds me of the Will Chamberlain story. Go ahead. There was a, a scuffle broke out. Giannis was screaming for the ball. Pacers coach Rick Carlisle told media members his team's GM, Chad Buchanan took a shot to the ribs from a Bucks player during the chaos. <laughs> Eventually, he was given a game ball, though he seemed to question whether or not it was the real one. Chad Buchanan or Chet Buchanan? Well, this says Chad Buchanan. Chad Buchanan. There okay. was an old DJ named Chet Buchanan. That's who I was talking about. Oh, you, you know Chet. Well, I wouldn't have brought his name up if I didn't know. How do you know? You didn't cross paths, though. I, yes, we did. Really? I think. Somewhere along. Because he did mornings. I thought you'd get a kick out of me bringing up That's Chet Buchanan. Cr- I'm just name. shocked you know who Chet Buchanan yeah, you is. You hardly even winced. Uh, I'm shocked you know who he is. He's like an old Seattle DJ. So who got the ball? Well, it's... Who ends up with the ball? Because the there's still some controversy when when Wilt scored the 100 in Hershey, Pennsylvania in the game. That's mm-hmm. a ball you really want. Yeah. Screw 64. You want the ball that he scored 100. You remember the story about that? No. I think we've talked about it. Oh, I think we've talked about it on the podcast. That doesn't I mean I listen. Inter- I think we've had interviews about it in the podcast. The ball, there's some discrepancy where the ball went. Yeah. One of the guys said he grabbed it like he was a fan. And he grabbed it and he started running down the street with the ball. <laughs> That's amazing. And they were chasing him down the street with the ball. And he went into his parents. He's like a young kid. And he went into his parents' home and he hid the ball. And he's had it all these years. Wow. There's a lot of, a lot of mixed reports as to whatever happened to the ball when Wilt scored 100 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So what's the end result? So like Giannis was given a ball, but he doesn't know if it's the game Real ball or if they just opened one up and gave it Sorry. to him. So it's just it's just funny to see a grown man being that freaked out about a stupid game You know ball. what's also funny? When a team trolls your friend, Russell Wilson. Oh, congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah. I don't know if you probably talked about it on other shows, but the baby has arrived. So. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, so congrats to what's the Russell. What's that, baby number... Well, it's uh, their new baby girl. Let's see. Her name is Amora Princess. Amora Princess. She, she won't be spoiled and entitled no, as a kid with a name like that and no, that no, kind no, of money in the all. house. Uh, no, this no. is Sierra and Russ's third child together. So she had their daughter, Sienna Princess, in 2017, <laughs> and their son, Wynn Harrison. His name is Wynn. Yeah. In 2020. And then she also has a kid with uh, rapper Future. So this is the fourth. Well, so on Saturday, the Denver Broncos were playing... In Detroit against the Lions in NFL's weekend number 15. 
And during the warm-ups in Detroit at that uh, Ford Field, yeah. the Lions decided to do nothing but play future songs during the entire warm-up section. Is of that the- right? Yes. God. And then they kicked their ass, right? 42-17. <laughs> God. What is it? Russell's like the nicest guy on earth on paper. On paper. And people can't stop trolling that guy. He just rubs everyone the wrong way. For It's like... That is really funny. I didn't see that. Every song oh. during the pregame warm-ups while Russell Wilson was out there doing his thing. <laughs> his weird future songs. shit that he does yes. on planes the and all fakes that. fakes with the, without the ball, yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> future, yeah, that routine is so weird. All right, that Super Bowl coming back to Cali. You see that? The NFL announced the big game will be held in Los Angeles in 2027. Yeah, it's going to be in that building a lot. Yeah, probably, it? right? It's it was such a, a state-of-the-art gorgeous building, and it's Los Angeles. Right. It just makes too much sense. It'll probably be there every three or four years. Yeah, right? I mean, what year do you say? What year are you talking about? 2027. Gotcha. Yeah, so most recently it was held at SoFi when the Rams beat the Bengals. And, yeah, yeah. And then uh, it's going to be at Levi Stadium in, for, in 26. Of course, Las Vegas is hosting this season. New Orleans following in 2025. And... Well, until tonight, I didn't think Seahawks fans had to worry about any of that shit, but who knows after watching Drew Locke go off tonight. Remember the punt? That would be Monday night. Yeah, Monday night, yes. M- remember the punter, Matt Areza? Yeah, was he accused? Yes. Yeah, I remember. Of a gang rape while he was at school at San Diego State. Yep. I think he was drafted by the Bills, and his first punt, he's like the, the greatest punter anybody's That's ever right. seen. The yeah. first punt was like 80 yards in the air in right. preseason, and then the Bills were forced to release him because of all of this stuff that was going on. Well, yeah. first prosecutors dropped the criminal charges in December 2022. Not enough evidence linking him to a crime. And now the civil suit of Jane Doe has been dropped. And he has essentially now been exonerated of everything, both criminally and civilly. His attorney said Matt has been forced to defend himself for the last 16 months against false accusations and a campaign to ruin his career in the NFL. He will never get this time in his life back. And he's expecting to sign with an NFL team sooner rather than later so he can get on with his punting career. Good for him. Yeah. Such a sad story, right? I mean, it's just sad. His lawyer's right. It was just... Probably heartbreaking and insanely stressful, and you, you can't do the thing you love doing and to make a lot of money at, and just what a shit time for that guy. So I'm glad he was exonerated. So we'll see on. if we see him in the NFL probably next year. The Chicago Bulls made a dramatic announcement. Okay, They are having their first ever, they don't have a ring of honor. They've never had a ring of honor until now. Weird. Their first ever ring of honor is being introduced, and after a very close, close vote... <laughs> Michael Jordan headlines oh. the first class. Damn it. I had Bill Cartwright as number one. Did you? Yeah. I had Bill Wennington. B.J. <laughs> Armstrong was next. but Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman are the headliners for the inaugural class mm. of the Chicago Bulls Ring of Honor. Um, the first class includes 13 men and the 1995-96 team, which went 72 no. and 10. Unfamiliar. familiar. Phil Jackson goes in. Jerry Krause goes in. Jerry Krause. The great great artist Gilmore goes in. Jerry Sloan, Tony Kukoc, Bob Mm. Love, Chet Walker, Johnny, Red Kerr, Tex Winter, Dick Klein. They're all going in, as is Michael Jordan. He did get in. He did. Very, very close vote. Yeah, yeah. Very close vote. He was like the Florida State of of that vote, right? right. It was just on the bubble. That's right. Oh, you see the original mechanical animatronic head from Steven Spielberg? You know Steven Spielberg? You know the name? Yeah, I know. Yeah, from his movie E.T., 
It sold. It's a, it was the mechanical head they used in the film of E.T. I can picture it. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Some Remind nerd. Me of Nick Van Exel. A little bit, yes, yeah. 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 Some nerd. $635,000. I would have paid six forty <laughs> for that. And, to, and they showed it and some of the rubber's missing. and Because it, it's, oh, you know, it's, it's old. Where's four, it been all these years? 40 years old. I don't know. Some Where of the, the latex shits out. But there's some other memorabilia. Uh, a lost in space robot model B9 sold for $455,000. Half a million dollars for a robot from lost in space? Was that even that good of a show? Half a million bucks? I don't even remember. I don't really remember. A Conan the Destroyer sword sold for 45000 Some Harry Potter wands went. And it's crazy what people are paying for memorabilia. It's wild. Before we head off to RIPs, have you heard about the brand new women's University of Washington volleyball player who committed to the U-Dub on a scholarship from California? Have you heard Their about latest her? latest big recruit commit? I have yes. not heard. No. Yes. 17-year-old Tate Dragaset committed to the University of Washington to earn one of the 12 D1 volleyball scholarships offered to women in the program. Let me tell you a little bit about Tate. Okay. Okay. She was the California Interscholastic Federation's Division Five player of the 2022-23 season. Sounds good. Part of the two USA volleyball teams that claim national titles. And she was born a male. Really? Yes. Interesting. Go on. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> it's very controversial. She didn't tell anybody. Mm. She didn't tell anybody while she was playing high school volleyball and dominating. Yeah. She didn't tell anybody that she was transgender mm -hmm. and she was born a male. So now everybody's up in arms. I'm everybody's sure they up are. In yes. arms. My daughter was next in line to get the scholarship. That's and right. She didn't get it. There's because... a picture of her on Instagram doing the W, yeah. wearing the Washington T-shirt. Yeah. Mm. It's a hell of a controversy now, and we'll see if she ever plays for the University of Washington. That's interesting that she chose to keep it secret, which people... No one ever knew. I guess people have a right to keep their private life private. Yes. Right? I mean, I guess we all have that right to... I guess, not yeah. Not tell everyone what our genitals look like or yes. who, who we choose to sleep with. Yes. I thought. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You're right. I think we do that. have that right. Yeah. That's interesting. We'll see what... Uh, I'll say that she's in the right area of the world. Okay. This probably wouldn't have flown in Norman, Oklahoma. For instance, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? I mean, in Tuscaloosa, it might have been a little bit, uh, you know, a little more. She might have a chance up here in Seattle. That's interesting. Have not heard that. Big news at the University of yeah. Washington. All right. RIPs. What do you got? Jack Axelrod, former longtime TV actor, most famous for General Hospital. Oh, I never watched General Remember Hospital. Remember how big soaps were? They were oh, my huge God. for a minute. Yeah, Laura nice and... Oh, Luke and Laura. Luke and Laura. And then yeah. the Christopher Cross song, Think of Laura, was played. Yeah. And I, Herb Alpert's Rise was played on General Hospital. Yeah, oh, I, I used can to love that show. picture him with the frizzy hair. Yeah, Luke. Sure, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure, sure. She was always way better looking than him. I, I never bought I can't those two. Laura. She was really pretty. Yeah. Anyway, likely most remembered for playing Victor Jerome on General Hospital for 40 episodes back in the 80s, but he had this insane, long, and illustrious career on TV. Just stay with me here. This is Grey's Anatomy. My name is Earl Scrubs. Malcolm in the middle. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The help Dallas Hill Street Blues, Kojak Dynasty, Night Court, Knott's Landing, wow. Murphy Brown. Everyone loves Raymond. Boy Meets World. Jack. There's like on and on. a hundred more I could give you. So anyway, he was 93 years old. 93. So just, okay. Yeah. Just okay. this incredible actor. Jack okay. Axelrod. Rest right. in peace. All right. Colin Burgess, you won't know that name. No. The original drummer for a band called ACDC has passed away. Oh. I didn't even know this story, and I'm a huge fan. Within a year of joining the band, Burgess was given the boot after the band accused him of 
getting wasted on stage during a 1974 performance. The drummer tried to save his job by claiming someone had spiked his drink. Right. But his excuse fell on deaf ears and he was let go and replaced by a few more drummers down the road. Burgess was 77 years old. Camden Toy, known for his work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, has passed away. He was a really, really good actor. Apart from playing one of the gentlemen in, vamp- in the vampire movie or series, he appeared in various projects like Angel, The Bay, Average Joe, Shameless, and okay. The Mentalist, 68 years old. Andre Brower, famous for his work on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and That's Homicide, correct. Left yep. on the Street. Yep. Sorry, Life on the Street. When this guy walked on scene, you just knew he was there. If you can picture, picture his face. I can picture him, yes. I mean, he just was, by the way, Stanford and then Juilliard. Like, yeah. it's not shocking yeah. that he was yeah. a big-time actor. So yeah. um, he, uh, he earned two Primetime Emmy Awards among among 11 nominations for his decorated TV career. 61 years old for Andre Brower. Okay. Nanny Faye, you may not know, she was the viral great-grandmother who captured hearts on TikTok. She passed away. She had this incredible fame on TikTok. She built a strong following for several tidbits of wisdom she dropped, touching on faith, family, and even grander philosophical topics. Obviously, she had a wealth of experience to relay to the new generation, and just about everyone loved hearing from Nanny Faye. She was 98 years old. And that's it for me. You skip over the two big sports ones, really? Oh, I I meant to write down... That was crazy. The North Carolina Center. Yeah. Eric Montross. Oh, I have that in my notes. Damn. 52 years old, Indiana preps hoop oh. star, North Carolina, big time center, all American. Such a beast. I can picture NBA. him getting hit bleeding. Oh, yeah. yeah God, yeah, he was yeah. good. 52 years old, succumbs to cancer after being di- diagnosed in March of this year. Only 52. Oh. I spent the last 18 years as one of the radio commentators for the University of North Carolina. How about this one? Pacers legend and Hall of Famer George McGinnis. Loved him as a kid. George McGinnis died Thursday morning. He was 73 years old. Complications from a cardiac arrest suffered last week at his home. He was an incredible player. Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer Mm. 2017. Two ABA championships, six all-star uh, selections was a fantastic forward inside player. Yeah. Yep. George McGinnis dies at the age of 73. Was Montrose on those Utah teams? The Sonics battle with maybe Eric Montrose. Was he the center on? No. Did he, would he play for Utah? Or am I thinking of someone no, else? You might maybe. be thinking of Mark Eaton. No, I remember Mark Eaton yeah. seven form. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, I don't remember him on Utah. Montrose is so in my wheelhouse. Cause I love Duke. So, you know, Duke, yeah. North Carolina in like 92, yeah. 93. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. those battles were a shame. Wow. 52, 52. I couldn't believe when I read that. Take us out with some headlines, will you, Hotshot? A Ritz-Carlton guest sues hotel after staffer served her semen-contaminated water. What? Semen-contaminated water? Man, that is not right. I sure hope that employee gets their comeumpets. <laughs> Much funnier if I pronounce it correctly. The Virgin Mary, <laughs> mother of Jesus. Very familiar mysteriously appeared on a Florida building 27 years ago today. Ah! After looking in Florida the last 27 years, I think we can all agree that it didn't help. Bell. No. A fully intact fly... No bells on Florida. A a fully intact fly is found buzzing around inside a Missouri man's intestines during a routine colonoscopy. Oh, that reminds me of something, but go ahead. This may sound bizarre to some, but what the hell else are you going to feed the gerbil? Remember when Fred Flintstone would go to the doctor and he'd go behind the x-ray machine? Yeah, and you would just see the bones or no? Yeah, you see the bones and a little butterfly flying <laughs> yeah, around. that's <laughs> right. 
Because you get butterflies in your stomach when you're nervous. Is that why? Yeah. He and Barney would go to the doctor. They go walk right behind the little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're dead. Go to the doctor together. Not sure you need to go. I don't know that they went to the doctor together. Oh, okay. And finally, a woman on TikTok revealed that her ex-boyfriend didn't use toilet paper which ultimately led to her leaving him, as you can imagine. Sounds to me like the relationship finally hit swamp bottom. Oh, God. Flies in the intestines. I have one last question before we get out of here, and we wish everybody a Merry Christmas, because I think the next show that you're going to hear is going to come out on the Tuesday after Christmas. I just have one last question. Did the Seahawks really win that game? Here I am sitting here predicting that the Seahawks was going to win the last two weeks. And yet I watched it and I still don't believe it. Now, if, if you would have known before the game yes. that, who the quarterback was for yes. the Seahawks, yes. and, and you and I are in Vegas, yes. and you got an extra 500 bucks to lay down, yes. you have to bet the game. Are you still taking the Seahawks with him as quarterback? Am I getting points or am I no, betting just, it straight no, up? Money line. No, I I'd have to bet the Eagles. Come on. And as I sat here, even though I projected the Seahawks to win without Drew Locke, as I sat there and I watched the game, I, I'm going to honestly say I don't think there was ever a second during the game that I thought that they were going to win the game. And that includes when Jackson Smith and Jigba caught the go-ahead touchdown. There were still 28 seconds to go. <laughs> right. And then Jalen Hurts bolts up the middle for about 30 yards. And yep. I'm like, they are going to find a way to lose this effing thing. Yep. They're still going to find a way to go to overtime and lose this thing. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And then when they threw the, they threw the ball that was intercepted, the great interception by Julia Love, I was still sitting here thinking, oh, pass interference, yep. number 22, <laughs> spot foul. Something. First down, yeah. field goals coming out. I They're not winning. I'm sitting here right now, and it's an hour later, and I still don't think they're going to win the game. <laughs> well, I can uh, assure you that they did. It's, they did. It's already in the win column. And they're 7-7, seven and, seven and Mr. Playoffs is warming up. I can hear him in all the, all the shows coming up for the patrons this week. That's it, episode 267, area code of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ta-da!